in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We're here, ladies and gentlemen, to present, as Charles Fort said in the early 20th century, a procession of the damned. And what he's talking about there are things that science cannot explain, doesn't want to explain, doesn't care about whatever you want. We're here to talk about the things around us that don't have easy explanations, such as UFOs or flying saucers, ghosts, poltergeists, strange creatures of the night, weird conspiracies, the stuff of legends, going back throughout recorded history, weird things happening. We're going to try to understand what's going on. Now, a lot of people are joining the Paracast this week. You've never heard about us before, but certainly by the title of the show, you get the vibe that this is a paranormal radio show. It's a different kind of show, though, because unlike some of our competitors, we don't sit back and hear someone make a crazy claim and say, gosh, golly, gee whiz, isn't that wonderful? We're going to ask some hard questions. Occasionally, we've exposed fakers when they need to be exposed. In other words, we're going to take a serious look at this way out stuff, and we're all going to have fun. I hope so. We're going to try to find out what's really happening, but sometimes it's the thrill of discovery that makes it all worthwhile. And along for the ride, week after week, will be four co-hosts. These are friends of mine, and they've taken their own personal journeys into the strange and unknown, and in various ways, they're experts at what they do. I'll introduce them, and then we'll basically have everybody introduce what they are here for, why they're studying this crazy universe of ours, and maybe the discussion will get crazy, wacky, but I am going to be the fly on the wall this week. I'm going to sit back with you and let them talk, and let's see what they have to say. I'm going to read the guest list, not in alphabetical order, but just whatever order suits me, because I'm host, you see. We have Christopher O'Brien. He's done books like Mysterious Valley, where he explores weird goings-on in a particular area of Colorado and elsewhere. He's also written a book called Stalking the Tricksters. And sometimes he does a great trickster voice. Right, Chris? But not today, Gene. Okay, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) You see, if I egg him on, he'll do it later. Or he'll do it off the air. Paul Kimball is a film producer. He's done documentaries on different subjects. He participated in kind of a ghost hunters type show in Canada. And also he has a documentary called Best Evidence about UFO cases, among many things he's done. Greg Bishop has also and continues to host his own mysterious radio show. He's written extensively on the subject. He's been around for quite some number of years studying these things. Nick Redfern Well, he's written so many books, I can't begin to list them all. He's done a lot of mainstream writing. He's also written about the strange, the unknown, and he's always got a book up his sleeve. Every time we talk to Nick, he's got a new book, it seems, because he works very hard, and he writes day and night, as I said, normal subjects and the unconventional. And I'm going to ask our guests just what brings them, what draws them to this field. Greg, since you've done radio, too, What draws you to UFOs and the paranormal? I think the main reason is that um, I'm interested in things that tweak the nose of popular assumptions, popular knowledge, the the assumptions people make and don't really think about too much. Anytime somebody's in there or something, in the case of paranormal and UFOs, is in there telling, you know, kicking somebody and saying, you don't know everything, 
or there's more you need to learn if you're open to it. That interests me, and that's what keeps my interest going. How long have you been following this stuff? Um, I don't know, seriously, since the late 80s, but as kind of a reader and a, and a uh, consumer of the, of the subject, since, probably since I could read. I, I, mean, I was reading UFO and Bigfoot books from when I could put sentences together and make sense of them, actually, I think. Now, since you work in the entertainment industry, and it doesn't matter where, do the people you work with look at you and say, you're weird? Well, no, they don't, because, you know, like a lot of people that are into this subject, you kind of know who you can talk to about it and who is probably best left alone. I'm lucky, because in California, and especially in Los Angeles, um, I think people are more open to it. You can say that's because there's more fruits and nuts here, or whatever you want to say. However, um, like I said, I think people in California are more open to strange ideas or just non-conventional things. You know, Weird California has done very well. It's a book I co-wrote about four years ago, and um, every almost every place I go, if the, if you know if the subject comes up, I meet somebody who is read that book and enjoyed it. It's just about weird stuff in California, about UFO sighting places, um, Bigfoot, um, people's strange, you know, things they do to their to their houses and property, uh, haunted houses, things like that. But it's, it's just kind of ingrained, I think, in people out here to just kind of accept it. And in the entertainment industry, actually, I think it's, ex it's expected that you're going to be creative or weird in some way, no matter what you're doing in the industry. So I, I, I guess I'm kind of lucky. Speaking of the entertainment industry, Paul Kimball, you're not making superhero films. You've done some stuff on the paranormal. Why these subjects? Well, I'd just like to say, Gene, that if somebody's listening who wants me to make a superhero film, I'm happy to do it. Um, you know, I, I think Christopher that. Nolan is trying to rejigger Superman. Maybe you're well, up for the job? Superman, Batman, they've all been taken. I mean, we're sort of down to the C-level heroes. So if, if anybody wants to do that elongated man film, maybe Aquaman... Uh, the Atom, I'm your guy. I know all those guys. Uh, which you know, it's funny you... about The Atom, okay? The Atom, isn't his name Ray Palmer? See, now you just ruined my segue. See, that was going to be a really clever segue. Well, you see, it's because I read your mind, but let's have the segue. What does that mean to anybody? Because nobody knows what that name means, except those who are fans of The Atom, and maybe three or four of our previous listeners. Well, it's kind of the influence that... Um, the paranormal, if you will, has had on popular culture over the last 50 or 60 years. Comics, when they began in the 30s and 40s, Superman, Batman, there was this entire, it's called the golden age of comics. And then they reinvented them in the late 50s and early 60s and brought in a more science fiction oriented. So Green Lantern, went, a DC hero, went from being a guy who wielded a magical ring to suddenly an outer space cop, basically. And everybody was kind of given a bit of a science fiction angle. And the Atom was a character from the old Justice Society of America in the, in the 30s and 40s. And his, his basic power was he was a short guy, but he, he fought people. He was a boxer, brawler kind of guy. What they did when they reinvented him in the 60s is they made him a, a scientist who created a device that would allow him to shrink to submolecular level, to explore all sorts of places, to travel through phone lines and stuff like that. And then, in a nod to the influence that, that they had sort of had, they called him Ray Palmer. The character's name, his, his sort of Clark Kent name, if you will, his real name, was Ray Palmer. And, of course, Ray Palmer, to the listeners, I'm sure, would be well known for his contributions to, what would you call it, Fortiana, science fiction, 
the whole enchilada. Gene, you're older than I am. You would know those better than I would. Well, uh, I'm older than everybody, but not quite as old as Ray Palmer was. But I knew Ray Palmer. And Ray Palmer was editor of Amazing Stories magazine in the 30s and 40s. And after long absence, he brought back some classic sci-fi writers to the field, including Edgar Rice Burroughs. His final stories were written for Amazing Stories. But Palmer also got in touch with this would-be science fiction writer named Richard Shaver, who claimed to be in touch with people who lived in the caverns beneath the earth, remnants of an ancient advanced civilization called Deros and Tiros. And... Palmer once started saying at one time, hey, this is true, folks. <laughs> and you can imagine the people in the science fiction field saying, what? What do you mean it's true? This is science fiction. This is silly space opera kind of science fiction. You well, said it was true. It, amazingly, I don't know if it's amazingly, but there's, there's, a, there's no coincidence that after the Second World War, you know, we have Roswell whatever Roswell was taking place in 1947, the 1948 alleged Aztec crash, then Frank Scully's book, Behind the Flying Saucers. All of this going on flying saucers were big news. UFOs, the idea of life in outer space, atomic weapons, mutants, and all of that transferred into the world, not only of popular fiction, sort of pulp fiction, but also comic books, television, which was a, a, a new and growing medium, and feature films as well. Our co-hosts. Paul Kimball, Christopher O'Brien, Nick Redfern, Greg Bishop. You're in the Paracast. Hey, neighbors, have you been thinking about starting a website? Well, I'm going to tell you about a great offer from HostGator. HostGator is a world-famous leader in web hosting, and they make it easy for you to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and great selection of templates. Use the coupon code PowerCast. Once again, use the coupon code PowerCast and sign up at this special address, thepowercast.com slash gator. That's G-A-T-O-R, thepowercast.com slash gator. Fate Magazine provides true reports of the strange and unknown. Keep up with the latest on angels and miracles, psychic phenomena, ghosts, UFOs, life after death, and much, much more. To receive your free issue of Fate Magazine, call now at 1-800-728-2730 or visit their website at www.fatemag.com. That's 1-800-728-2730. What are you waiting for? Your fate awaits. Making the right decisions is a challenge to investors. Are we going to see economic growth, slide into a recession, or at worst, depression? Hi, Ted Anderson from Midas Resources. We all know when a company acts irresponsibly, divesting ourselves in a move towards safety is prudent. When the market becomes volatile, U.S. Treasuries are a safe haven. But what do you do when the U.S. government overextends itself and spends beyond its means? Many investors are turning toward gold as a common sense alternative to traditional paper investments. Midas Resources has put together a powerful book titled 10 Reasons to Own Gold, discussing costs, benefits, risks, featuring full-color illustrations, weights, and measures. The book is free and can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. Paper investments are dwarfed by gold's 6,000-year history. Discover how gold may be right for you and your IRA by calling 800-686-2237. Whether buying or it's time for you to sell, the book is free. Call 800-686-2237. 
If you suffer from poor sleep, you've got to try my pillow. Introducing the most revolutionary, most comfortable, and coolest pillow ever, my pillow. Imagine your very own custom fit pillow. My pillow is the only pillow of its kind on the market that uses a patented fill, custom made to your exact individual needs. My pillow is 100% made in the USA and has a natural built-in cooling effect that keeps your cervical nerves cool, and that helps you get the best REM sleep possible. My pillow helps alleviate snoring, migraine, sleep apnea, and other sleeping disorders. My pillow. Pillow is antimicrobial, non-allergenic, dust mite resistant, machine washable and dryable, comes in many sizes and will not go flat. And best of all, my pillow comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. So what do you have to lose? Except poor sleep. Go to mypillowshop.com. Mention coupon code GCN and receive up to $40 off. That's mypillowshop.com or call 952-442-6199. That's 952-442-6199. My pillow for the rest of your life. What started as an idea to provide power for a small hunting cabin has grown into a passion for creating an alternative energy source that's both affordable and reliable. At Wind Blue Power, our goal is to provide you with the best selection of parts and accessories to power your own ideas. Whether you're building a wind generator from scratch or you prefer a complete bolt-together kit, we've got you covered with fast worldwide shipping and impeccable customer service. Visit us at windbluepower.com. Think green. Go blue at Wind Blue Power. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're in the Paracast. You never know what's going to happen next. We have a special co-host roundtable, and we're introducing to you, especially since we have many new listeners, Greg Bishop. Nick Redfern, Paul Kimball, Christopher O'Brien. We were talking about Paul Kimball and getting into some of the influences of the early UFO research, about science fiction, about all the things that happened in the late 40s that became so popular in our popular culture. Go ahead, Paul. Well, sure. You were asking Greg and you'll ask Nick and Chris what how they sort of get into it. Um, for me, it's a two-pronged answer. It was business. In 2001, I, I did a film on Stan Friedman. It was the first film I directed. I produced a couple others, but I wrote and directed that one. So that was sort of my entree into the sort of my world of looking into the paranormal, not just the paranormal itself, but also the people. The, the people that are in it, like Stan, fascinate me too, that subculture. But all of us that grew up, as I did, in the 70s and 80s and the 90s, and even back into the 50s and 60s, would be familiar, we would be tied in in a way that previous generations were not to the idea that there are visitors from outer space, there are alien beings out there, that there, you know, science, there's more than our science understands, that there's some really weird things going on potentially, and trying to tie that into a more modern scientific culture that we live in. So it shouldn't come as any surprise that people are interested in the paranormal, particularly where there's a scientific bent. It shouldn't come as any surprise that the extraterrestrial hypothesis is the most popular and widely known 
sort of paranormal explanation for UFOs because it's what we all grew up with. So it just makes sense. It's the theme of movies such as E.T., the extraterrestrial, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, etc. Right. Absolutely. Now, let's move to one of our other guests, Nick Redfern. What attracted you to the paranormal? Well, I'm one of these people, I guess, you know, who hasn't had yet, you know, the definitive UFO or definitive 40 and experience. What got me interested is when I was about five uh, or six, I went to Loch Ness, spent a day at Loch Ness. You know, even at that young age when my dad's on with the story of the Loch Ness monster, you know, it kind of caught my attention and imagination. And I suppose like Greg, you know, I, as I got older, sort of late single digits, early teens or whatever, you know, I got more interested in reading and began to read a lot of things like John Keel and Stringfield and Kehoe, uh, Ivan Sanderson and Bernard Hoovelman, some of the early people in cryptozoology. And it sort of captured my imagination. And I suppose I'm one of those sorts of people who, who doesn't really do well in the nine to five, quote, normal world, you know. And I thought, well, there's got to be something out there beyond just going to school, going to work, and that's it. And so, you know, I began doing investigations into strange phenomena and writing a few articles and book reviews for some of the newsletters that existed back in the 1980s in England, you know, sort of self-published zine-type publications. And when I left school, I began working on a rock music magazine in England called Zero. And that sort of, which was really the only thing I wanted to do, and it was the only thing I could do. I wasn't that particularly good a student, and, you know, but I enjoyed writing and enjoyed reading. And so, you know, I was one of these people who I did, the, you know, I got into interested in doing something that was really the only thing I could do. And, you know, I mean, I found that, from my perspective at least, you know, the I enjoy doing the investigations. I think there's a, there's a lot of weird phenomena, if you like, out there that it intrigues me, and I, I enjoy kind of like peeling away the, the layers of the onion, so to speak, to, to find what's at the heart of it. And, you know, there's the other aspects of Fortiana that just bore me stupid, you know, I'm just that I'm just not interested in. But there's certain ones like UFOs, cryptozoology, that do deeply interest me. So, you know, it sort of goes back to, like Greg, to my sort of formative years as a as a young kid and then, you know, listening to it and reading it wide-eyed and then realizing that amongst a certain small amount of good stuff, there was a lot of very bad and complete nonsensical stuff. But, you know, that sort of age five or six, it's difficult to differentiate between the two. And even for some of us now, it's slightly difficult to differentiate between the uh, what's good and what's bad, but that's part of what we do. So. And on this show, on the Powercast, we try to separate the signal from the noise is our motto. And what it means, ladies and gentlemen, is we try to look at claims that seem to have more of a basis of fact. Of course, when you're dealing with individual encounters where someone sees something, where one or two people see something unusual, you know, it's really hard to prove. It's not as if you have solid, rock-solid evidence about it. So the question I have to ask, obviously with Paul and Greg, they're in show business. We expect them to be weird. Nick, you, of course, wrote for Rock Magazine, so it goes to follow. But do your people now, you're living in the United States, the people that you encounter say, oh, you're that guy who writes all that crazy stuff? Not really. I mean, I wouldn't say that most people where I live know anything about what I do anyway. You know, um, I mean, friends obviously know, but, you know, beyond that, I would say most people in the street I live in don't know what I do. 
you know, I mean, when I speak to people about it, you know, I don't get people sort of like Greg. I, th I think it's more like, like a stereotypical image. People think that if you write about this, other people think you're weird. But, I mean, I, I truly don't get people backing away from me or anything like that when I say I write books about Bigfoot. Bigfoot. Some of them are just might say, oh, that's interesting, you know, what's on TV, but because they're not really interested. Others actually are interested to talk about it, and some are deeply interested. But, you know, I, I think it is more like a media mythology that if you're into Bigfoot or UFOs, that you're kind of weird and on a par with almost like a, you know, some antisocial idiot or whatever. So no, I don't really get that sort of response. It's either, wow, that's interesting, or... Hmm, that's mildly interesting. <laughs> kind of like the Lone Gunman TV show some years back, the spinoff from the X-Files, where everybody there looked weird. That was, well, the, yeah, that, that right. was the stereotype. Right. Yeah, no, I, I, my personal view is, you know, there's a lot of people in the 14 world who I disagree with and a lot I agree with. But I, the where, where I would, you know, sort of cast doubt on the image of, you know, what we perceive to be is, as you've just said, with the lone gunman, you know, these three sort of isolated guys who don't really have lives away from what they do and can't function in the real world and just live in like some attic or whatever with banks of computers, you know, it's like, I mean, for me, you know, I try and do a normal working day, sort of seven till five, and unless we're doing like radio shows or whatever, then, you know, me and my wife just hang out at night, go out for drinks, dinner, watch TV, we do normal stuff, you know, and I think that's that's what a lot of people don't realize. If you're into, you know, most people in the UFO field aren't ufologists, they're people who happen to be interested in ufology. You know, there is no such thing as a ufologist who, that's their life, or they're all actually, no, there are a few like that, but... Uh, for the most part, it's people who have normal lives but have an interest in weird stuff as well. You don't grow horns at night? Not always, no. Okay, only on Thursdays. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Speaking of tricksters and people like that, Chris O'Brien, what were you doing before you got attracted to this subject? Uh, well, uh, I lived in New York City for uh, quite a number of years, uh, through the mid to late 70s, uh, through the 80s, and was a professional keyboard player, so I guess uh, <laughs> you can lump me in with the uh, the crazy entertainment types here. Uh, but my my whole attraction to the subject matter happened uh, as a result of a very life changing experience I had when I was very young, uh, uh, just turned seven. And we'll get into that life changing yeah. experience in a moment. My co-host Christopher O'Brien, Paul Kimball, Nicholas Redfern, Greg Bishop. You're in the Powercast. You are about to enter another dimension, a dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind, a journey into a sinister land of secret rites, passwords, initiations, and handshakes, where the truth remains hidden and history is controlled by an elite group of mysterious men. Imagine, if you will, that I'm holding a book in my hands that explains this secret history and that the name of this book is Conspiracies and Secret Societies, The Complete Dossier. Here is described centuries of dark dealing, lies, murder, mayhem, and cover-ups in the pursuit of unimaginable money and power. My name is Brad Steiger, and the stories you are about to read may have actually happened. 
at the signpost up ahead. Your next stop, Conspiracies and Secret Societies, The Complete Dossier. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Don't forget... CrossbreedHolsters.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Remain in your houses. The President of the United States has declared martial law under Executive Order 11004. Will they do it? Will they pull the trigger this time? We all pray they stand down, but an engineered crisis seems more likely with each passing day. Think it can't happen here? Executive Order 10990 locks down all highways. Executive Order 10995 seizes control of all media outlets. Executive Order 10998 controls all farms and food supplies. All these executive orders are now cocked, loaded, and waiting for the right crisis. So if you're worried about the possibility of martial law here in America or have questions about how to survive it, go to MartialLawSurvival.com. That's MartialLawSurvival.com. Go to MartialLawSurvival.com right now. You must remain in your houses until your bracelets are scanned. Question, what would you rather drink, acidic water which burns holes in your body and causes loss of bone mass, or alkaline water which promotes high energy and vibrant health? The answer is clear. And if you're drinking acidic water, you're helping cancer cells and bacteria to grow out of control. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops combine a unique formula of the most alkaline minerals. Using Plasma pH Drops is the best way to alkalize your water and help you get rid of acid and regain your health and energy. Simply put 10 drops in the water you drink to raise the pH to a healthy alkaline level. Most experts agree that the water you drink should be at a pH level of 8 or higher. Disease organisms like bacteria, viruses, or cancer cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops now by going directly to AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or by calling 269-409-1776. Again, 269-409-1776. Tired of searching for great talk radio? And I think it really does make a difference. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're in the Paracast. You never know what's going to happen next. You're in the Paracast. We're talking with Paul Kimball, Nick Redfern, Greg Bishop. Christopher O'Brien got his first exposure when you were seven years old? That's correct. I didn't ask for it, but it happened, and it, it, it definitely had a lifelong impact on me. And I've always had uh, an absolute deep fascination for, you know, UFOs, uh, the paranormal in general, um, you know, across the board, subject-wise. And I happened to move to a very 
interesting region of Colorado in the late 80s and inadvertently got involved in uh, becoming a field investigator. I innocently started out uh, just to write a little 500-word article for my little town paper and uh, reporting on a whole slew of, of UFO sightings and, and cattle mutilation cases that uh, have, were taking place. And I ended up on national TV in two months. So it, it, it just kind of grew a life of its own. Uh, I was able to you know, get a network of um, law enforcement, ex-military people, ranchers, farmers, college students, housewives, um, a whole network of sky watchers to feed me leads on reports. And I spent 13 solid years running around investigating, you know, just an incredible potpourri of, of unusual events that uh, occurred in the San Luis Valley, uh, Colorado, where I lived. So that's kind of how I got involved in all this. And you know, unlike a lot of people, I think that are that are closet buffs in this field, um, I have no qualms about uh, stating my interest uh, in these subjects. I've never really felt that uh, the subject matter was ever held against me. Uh, I think anybody that knows me knows that I'm pretty level-headed. So, I think that that actually helps people understand. I think a little bit more why I'm so motivated. Unlike a lot of people in ufology, which you know has always constantly sort of surprised me. Most ufologists have never really had any sort of personal experiences. I know uh, Stanton Friedman, for instance, uh, <laughs> uh, has never seen a UFO. Uh, in my case, because we had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of sightings, and I had a, a really extensive network uh, spread around uh, about 10,000 square mile area, I was able to run out and uh, I've had quite a number of experiences of, of you know, objects and, and lights and actually structured craft that just, you know, don't conform to uh, what you would consider conventional let's say military or, or conventional crafts. So, so my fascination with this comes fueled by personal experience. And, you know, I'm, I'm not a true believer. I, I have a hard time even believing some of my own experiences. I'm very skeptical but open-minded about these subjects. And I'm very sensitive to how the culture is trying to program itself into believing, I think, you know, cut-and-dried sort of, you know, answers or supplying answers to a lot of these mysteries that that uh, that are too simplistic in my my view, and I think we're dealing with a much more complex scenario, and that's why I really love the Paracast and and the forums and and this show is because this show stretches our points of belief and 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 gets I think it's going to get the listener to really think about what they truly believe, why they believe it, and open them up to alternative ways of, of looking at these mysteries. Considering the alternative ways of looking at the mysteries, of course, the conventional wisdom, such as it is, and how can you deal with conventionality when you're talking about the unconventional, is when you say flying saucers, UFOs, it's E.T. E.T. is here. They're coming to look at us in Independence Day. They're coming to destroy us. E.T., the extraterrestrial, they're taking soil samples, whatever. But you're saying it's more complicated than that. So do you believe do you not believe that there's an ET? Well, I think it's it's pretty much a foregone conclusion with uh, billions of galaxies and quadrillions of stars that there's got to be some form of intelligent life in this three-dimensional uh, cosmos or universe uh, that we inhabit. But whether we're important enough on this little blue marble spinning in space for any of them to come here and uh, conduct, you know, medieval medical experiments, uh, <laughs> I love Terence McKenna says that they're uninvited uh, uh, pro bono proctologists. Uh, I love that particular way of looking at it. Uh, I don't think we're important enough for anything out there 
to come and um, and exhibit the types of behavior uh, decade after decade. Uh, that it, it just doesn't make sense. There's something nonsensical, something tricksterish, something that doesn't add up uh, in terms of looking at all these visitations, let's say, uh, from an ET uh, hypothesis standpoint. I think there's something much more uh, intense, complicated, and, and probably closed system. I think that some way uh, humanity is in some way, shape, or form helping manifest uh, these entities here in our reality. Well, when I talked to Paul Kimball on an earlier episode, he had taken the position he thinks E.T. being the more likely explanation. So what would you have to say to what Chris explained here? Well, I'd say that everybody's entitled to their opinion, and I respect Chris's. I just disagree with it. I think, to me, there's absolutely no question that the extraterrestrial hypothesis makes the most sense. It doesn't mean that it's proven. It doesn't mean that other possibilities might not be true as well. There probably is more than one answer, including the fact, well, I shouldn't say fact, but including the likelihood that most UFO cases, and perhaps even all UFO cases, with proper investigation, could be explained in prosaic terms, what we would consider prosaic terms, meaning man-made or of our own world. But if you look for a paranormal explanation, and I use the term paranormal to mean something outside our realm of experience as humans walking on this planet, and I would include aliens from another planet as being paranormal, then I think it's, it's the lo most logical, the most likely explanation that also doesn't require us to stretch the boundaries of scientific understanding to the breaking point and beyond, because we can already travel to other worlds. We already have. Whether we've traveled in person to the moon, or we've traveled by robots to Mars, or by probes to the outer edge of our solar system, even us poor little monkeys on this blue dot can travel within our own solar system. If you posit a civilization that's a few hundred or even a few thousand years older than us, then who knows what they're capable of. And as to why they would come here, well, they might not be here for us. They might be here for what our planet offers. We don't know what the universe offers, what our planet might have that we don't even understand is valuable. I mean, when the European explorers came to North America, there were things that they assigned value to that the, the indigenous natives did not. And conversely, there were things that the Europeans really didn't assign value to, but the indigenous natives found quite valuable, which made for a very unfair trading system. But when you're dealing with different cultures or different races or different peoples, or in this case, different species, uh, how can you say what might or might not be important to them? You, and when you do that, you're, you're, you're assigning human motivations to something that is inherently alien. So, as I said in that previous Paracast episode, Gene, I know that people look at the high strangeness aspects of some UFO cases and say, well, that, that doesn't, that couldn't possibly be alien. I would expect Before we go further, before cases, Paul, Paul, before yep. we go further. Using the term high strangeness, define what you mean by high strangeness. Well, a UFO case, using a UFO case here, that has characteristics that seem outside the norm, and talking about the norm of UFO cases, but let's talk about the ones that flying saucers, the supposed aliens from outer space. People see structured craft flying through the sky, and that's about it. That would be a normal, if you can say normal, UFO case. The high strangeness ones are the ones where something very different happens. There's a case from Nova Scotia here up in Canada from the 1970s where you had very quickly had two people in two different, or two groups of people in two houses right next to each other, both of whom were experiencing totally different things. Um, 
from one object that was up in the sky, which the RCMP, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, witnessed and reported. That would be a high strangeness case. But there's nothing about that, to me, that rules out an alien explanation. In fact, I would expect visitors from other worlds to be extremely highly strange to us, to the point of, as Arthur C. Clarke said, their technology appearing to us as magic, I would add, their motivations, their actions appearing to us in many cases as magic, or something, as Greg and I were in the Magic Castle just two weeks ago, that would seem, like when he pulls the Diet Coke bottle out from under the handkerchief, very strange. I can't explain. That's highly strange to me. But that doesn't mean that an interdimensional being from the eighth dimension or something, or, or a crypto-terrestrial, just means it's strange. But in terms of the scientific logic of it, to me, without ruling out any of the other explanations, which... Even the ETH, I mean, Stan Friedman doesn't rule out those explanations. He just focuses on the extraterrestrial one. We'll focus on more stuff in a moment. We're talking to Paul Kimball, Greg Bishop, Nick Redfern, Christopher O'Brien. You're in the Paracast. Ray Perkins a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockwell. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack, Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack. Attack of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Your natural organic herbal formula for heart health is heart and body extract. My name is Stan, and I'm 68 years old, and I live in Vermont. In the spring of 2003, I started to have problems with my heart. It felt like my heart was pounding. It made me feel breathless. I tried many, many different things to try to get some help for myself. Nothing did anything. Heart and Body Extract is very powerful, very effective, and works quickly. I saw one of Sharon's ads and ordered Heart and Body Extract. I noticed a difference quickly, within days. The episodes became less frequent, and by a month, I completely vanished. Usually, you find a 30-day or 60-day guarantee. Heart and Body Extract comes with a lifetime 100% ironclad money-back guarantee. Details at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305. Call 866-295-5305. 866-295-5305 for Heart and Body Extract. Where have all the military surplus stores gone? Don't worry, you don't need one. Because everything you need at Military Surplus is at MainMilitary.com. That's M-A-I-N-E Military.com, one of the last surviving true military surplus stores in the country. Go online now to MainMilitary.com and discover a source for hard-to-find surplus items at true surplus prices. Surplus gun cleaning kits as low as $2.99. Complete chemical suits as low as $11.99. See our huge selection of gas masks, filters, and accessories. Finish it. 
Gatorade M10 gas masks are three for thirty dollars, and Swiss filters are three for twelve dollars. Searching for Strike Anywhere matches? MainMilitary.com has them, plus a whole new product line of survival and first aid kits and lots more. Get free shipping on orders over fifty dollars only at MainMilitary.com. That's M-A-I-N-E Military.com, or call eight seven seven six zero eight zero one seven nine eight seven seven six zero eight zero one seven nine. MainMilitary.com, the main name in military supply. When you hear the words water purification, what comes to mind? If it's Berkey Water Purification Systems, this message is for you. Did you know that over 60% of municipal water contains fluoride? Add less than 2 cents per gallon. Berkey Water Filters purify treated and untreated water. Remove dangerous chlorine, fluoride, and contaminants from municipal water. These filters are powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water, making them perfect for rainwater collection systems. From the smallest to the largest systems, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has what you need. With your system purchase, you'll receive a shower filter, a fluoride filter, or two sport Berkey bottles absolutely free. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com would like to offer GCN listeners 5% off all ceramic filter systems and ship all orders over $50 free of charge. Visit BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. That's BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. Or call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 1-877-99-BERKEY today. Bringing you the best in alternative talk radio for over 10 years. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. You're in the parapet. You never know what's going to happen next. We have Chris O'Brien, Nick Redfern, Greg Bishop, Paul Kimball talking about high strangeness, but saying that just the presence of E.T. on Earth, because of the fact they're probably way, way far advanced compared to Earthlings, they could be pretty strange. Yeah, well, I would expect they would be pretty strange. And I think you asked me why I'm interested in all this, and I think at the end of the day, um, I did a show with Don Ecker a little while ago, and we talked about this. Don Ecker, a, a sort of legendary UFO researcher. And Don kind of asked me why I was into all this, and I said, well, look, if the aliens, if there are aliens, I can't summon them. If there are interdimensionals, if there are crypto-terrestrials, whatever, I can't make them appear. What, in, what interests me more is sort of the journey of discovery of trying to figure out not only what these things are, but I think more importantly, that path that you take helps you figure out who you are. So I think, as I said to Don, I can't prove that aliens from Zeta Reticuli exist, but I'm not out to. I'm just kind of here to prove that I exist. And I know that might sound a little new agey, except in Greg's state in California. But I think that's what the journey of discovery is. You're sort of trying to find out as much about yourself as you are about these UFOs or Bigfoot or whatever. And that's part of interacting with our world and trying to understand that there's something more than just the, the reductionist box that maybe modern society would want to keep us in. So it's about stretching your minds. And if Chris's mind stretching takes him over here and mine takes me over there, well, at least we're thinking about it. And we're thinking, I hate this phrase, but outside the box. And that's a good thing. Greg, you've been mentioned a couple of times there. Where does your mind stretch? Well, I... I agree with Paul that the um, ETH is probably, from our point of view, the best explanation for where UFO phenomena originates, or a lot of it does, at least the, unex the truly unexplained stuff. However, um, 
The reason I am more interested in some of the other explanations, what people would call an interdimensional explanation or a crypto-terrestrial explanation, which we can get into, um, and other things besides pure aliens coming from other planets, is just because it's more exciting and more interesting to me, and it, it brings, you know, it throws more... Um, ingredients in the soup, if you want to call it, and uh, brings more subjects to the table and expands your awareness and your your thinking a little bit more into other areas. Now, whether they're fruitful or not as a solution to the UFO mystery, I don't know, but it makes it far more interesting. And as, as Paul said, and if I've, as I've said when people have asked me this, yeah, I don't know if I'll ever find an answer. I don't know if Paul will or Nick will or, or, or Chris will or you will. But the point is that along the way, I've learned so much about myself. I've learned about other people. I've learned about the scientific method. I've learned about psychology, sociology, all kinds of things. And as long as I keep my mind as open as possible to, you know, logical, interesting arguments and um, evidence, then I keep myself, you know, occupied. And I and and on top of that, I meet cool people who I can talk to, like like present the present company here. Thank you. Me, I'm just old, but in fact, I think Brad Steiger once said, "I was here before the dinosaurs ruled the earth." No response. I figured that. <laughs> I expected that. It's just one of those delayed reactions. That's okay, Greg. I'll forgive you next time. What me? There's, there's three other people on with me. Brad Steiger, I don't care how old he is. He's one of those people that everybody should listen to because he's been around so long that there's, there's almost nothing he says that if you don't agree with it, at least it's interesting. Nick, what is your definition of high strangeness? Well, you know, I mean, when I mean, I can understand where Paul's coming from. The one reason why I would say I vehemently disagree because you know none of us can really know. We can be vehement if we want, you know. Don't worry about it. Well, we can, but I mean, we, we can't because we don't have enough evidence one way or the other to definitively say A, B, or C. But, but what I would say, one of the reasons why I kind of veer towards the idea that it's not just, quote, just E.T. coming to visit us for scientific reasons or whatever, is that one thing that a lot of people get, and I know Chris has had and that I get a lot of, and I don't think it's coincidence, is that the more you dig into paranormal phenomena and UFOs, the more weird synchronicities you begin to experience. Now, you know, almost as if you're living in some sort of weird matrix-type world. And, you know, for me, I mean, I, I, I obviously don't understand. If ET technology exists, we can never sort of anticipate how advanced it is. But, you know, I have a hard time understanding how aliens can come to the earth and those of us who investigate it as a consequence start experiencing weird synchronicities if it's just nuts and bolts aliens okay synchronicities would you define what you mean in this case i will synchronicity is basically a, a meaningful coincidence where something happens in your life you're investigating something let's say you, you go to a bookshop and you're, you're investigating a 50 year old ufo case you can't find anything on you happen to browse through the bookshelves, you knock a book off, you pick it up, and it's fallen open to the page where it mentions the very thing you're looking for. That's like a synchronicity. Um, and, you know, lots of people within ufology get those. I even know people who are vehement adherents of the ETH and who've had them and have found it very disturbing that that could happen, almost as if they're being manipulated. 
Um, and also what I call crossover cases, which lead me to, again, veer away from the, the ETH. Crossover cases being where you get elements of one aspect of a 40-year mystery involved in a, in a case involving another aspect. For example, you know, if you look in the whole history of 40-year mysteries, you find numerous cases, folklore, stories, tales of encounters with weird entities and beings of bridges. You know, you can find any culture on the planet pretty much, and there's a little local folklore in the town about the headless lady who haunts the bridge, you know, over the river, that sort of thing. And you get UFO cases along those lines. You get Bigfoot reports. You get ghosts. Now, of course, you could argue that that's because they're simply folklore. But when you get things like that, or you get a Bigfoot sighting in association with weird lights hovering over the woods, then, to me... You know, we have to look beyond just the idea that aliens are visiting us. It doesn't mean they're not, but to me, we have to take it beyond the realm of, you know, sort of the more Kehoe era of ufology, which still pervades much of ufology today, where people just look at it as more advanced beings with a scientific approach coming to the Earth and, you know, conducting experiments and then going back again. To me, even if that is what's going on, there's something more significant that we don't understand going on as well. Paul, you had a comment. No. <laughs> I, I, my only comment would be I don't disagree with Nick. You know, it's, um, I, all I said was if I was going to assign a likelihood, which one is more likely than this one and that one's more likely than that one, um, I find the ETH to be the most likely explanation. But as I said, it doesn't exclude the other ones, and it certainly doesn't mean that you might be dealing – I mean, you, you could pull out five UFO cases and of different types, and you could say, okay, well, if you had to assign a paranormal explanation, fine, that one seems more like an extraterrestrial hypothesis. But this one over here, this, this is really weird. I mean – who knows? And so, you, you know, the key is to just keep your mind open. I, I agree with Greg and Nick and, and even Chris. The only difference between Chris and I is we might, well, we do, I think, sort of assign a different weight to which one is more likely. But it's not, unless I misheard Chris, he's not ruling the extraterrestrial thing out as a possible explanation. And I don't rule the other ones out as a possible explanation. Chris, you know, I, I, I really, um, listening to Nick, uh, well, listening to, to everyone here, this, this is so stimulating for me uh, to be able to talk about these things in a non-judgmental way and agree to disagree. Um, I think Nick's observation concerning synchronicity and meaningful coincidences is very important, and that, in my mind, is one of the most important uh, clues that I have as, a, as an active investigator. I've had outbreaks of UFO sightings that have also had attendant cattle mutilations, Bigfoot sightings, unusual weather, strange societal events that occur, all within a two- or three-day time period. Also, uh, abnormal amounts of, of strange fires in the area, going around and seeing all this roadkill on the road for some reason. If, if you start lining these different what seem to be, uh, you know, totally unrelated type, you know, facts together, and then you you look at it how they all seem to, to bell curve over a specific time period. That to me indicates that we're dealing with something closed system. Perhaps ETs are coming and somehow are able to um, affect our reality and somehow manifest these attendant types of, of phenomenal events. 
I tend to, to think not, though. Actually, I think it's something that is closed system. I think that we're dealing with, with a, a, a energetic process that we are, have not even begun to understand. You know, at that and, point, we're going to break for the hour. We have Christopher O'Brien, Paul Kimball, Nicholas Redfern, Greg Bishop. You're in the Paracast. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you own an Apple iPhone and love to listen to your favorite programs on GCN, I've got good news for you. I'm proud to announce that GCN has a brand new iPhone app available for our dedicated listeners at GCNlive.com. Listen to your favorite hard-hitting GCN programs live or on demand right on your iPhone. And the best part? The GCN iPhone app can be yours absolutely free. Download the iPhone app today by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Paracast. Paul Kimball, Nicholas Redfern, Greg Bishop, Christopher O'Brien. In our last hour, we were talking to Chris and about the nature of his interest in UFOs, about the fact that in addition to the standard ET-type UFOs, all sorts of other stuff is going on around it. By the way, folks, if you want to find more of the things that we do, Go to thepowercast.com. That's our website, thepowercast.com. We also have forums at forum.thepowercast.com where we talk about not just UFOs, ghosts, poltergeists, and conspiracy theories, but just about politics, anything. Anything that, of course, comes to our mind, even music, because we have musicians, entertainers here. So, Chris, let's get back to this aspect. And, gentlemen, just... Chime in if you feel necessary at this point. We're going to really open up the discussion. All right, so we have the standard UFO. We have the strange creatures. Can we think maybe the strange creatures are coming from spaceships? Well, that's a definite possibility. And um, like Paul, I don't rule anything in or anything out. I just tend to to take the data that I personally have been able to uh, amass. And, you know, it's one thing to... Be an armchair ufologist, I think. There's, there's a real problem, I think, in the field. Uh, people have a sense of being able to figure things out. Uh, and, and I was like this, too, for many years. It wasn't until I got into the field, actually looked witnesses in the eye, worked with law enforcement, worked you know, closely with uh, a network of, of folks that, that were highly motivated to uh, at least document uh, these events. It wasn't until I got to that point that I really started to get a, a strong sense or a hunch that we were dealing with something infinitely more uh, complex uh, than a single uh, answer. And, and to be honest with you, uh, going into my investigative work uh, prior to moving to the San Luis Valley, I thought that you know it was all ETs and, and the UFO sightings and and, uh, and ufology in general was all based, uh, you know on aliens coming here from some other uh, star system or galaxy. 
it wasn't until I had these meaningful coincidences that Nick very, uh, I think, very astutely uh, pointed out. It wasn't until those types of events started happening to me, you know, up close and personal, that I, it really made me do 180 about face and really start to second guess my, my assumptions about about these types of events. So, you know, I think it's everyone has their own sort of gut feeling about what is going on in this in this whole realm and and I think that that, that is a really good place for a person to start and and to really to really kind of sense how their their gut is telling them uh, you know what's going on, uh, what could be possibly behind it. So my gut's telling me that we're dealing with something a, a heck of a lot more complicated. And of course, we haven't even begun to factor in the the very likelihood of of uh, black budget money and your tax dollars at work and play, and um, you know disinformation, um, you know very well orchestrated hoaxes. Uh, I mean, there's it's a very complicated kaleidoscope of elements that we're dealing with. All right, so you raise the subject, black projects, in what fashion? What is the black project, the UFO investigation, secret weapons, what? Well, I think all of the above. Uh, a really good example would be during the, the, the height of a, a pretty intense sighting wave that we had in Colorado. I happened to be driving one night back from a gig pretty late at night. It was just after midnight. Um, if I had been any further away than I was from the following event I'm going to describe, I would have thought I saw a huge 300-foot UFO. What I observed was three what appeared to be, by the sound of their engines, uh, because I did stop my car and listen, what appeared to be three cargo planes flying wingtip to wingtip. Across the leading edge of their wings was a perfectly sequenced uh, chain of lights that would blink from the far left plane all the way down that plane, across the the wing of the middle plane, all the way to the to the right plane, all the way to the end, in a in a burst of about 30 or 40 different white lights. It went just you know like a sequence of lights that would flash about every five seconds. And if I had been any further away than five miles, uh, I would definitely have thought I saw a huge you know UFO flying over. But it, it was three cargo planes. Wingtip to wingtip with a synchronized light that flashed on the leading edge of all three planes. Now, why would the military do that? In the midst of a sighting wave period, why would they trot something like that, light it up like a Christmas tree, and then fly it down the middle of the San Luis Valley? That indicates to me some sort of psyops, sort of psychotronic, uh, you know, experiment, if you will, to, to see if anybody's going to see it, to see how they report it if they do, to see how the, the, the local law enforcement responds to the report, to see if the local media picks it up, and then to gauge the reaction in the public and, and as it filters into the culture to see how, what sort of impact and how that impact plays out in the culture. And, and it's these types of events, I think, uh, and I, I've got a whole bunch of them, uh, that indicate to me that our government, uh, you know, and the military or possibly uh, quasi-military, paramilitary, whatever, is engaged in some sort of psychological weapons experiments, uh, trying to gauge the effectiveness of, of conventional and, and possibly, probably uh, non-conventional technology. Nick, I think this is an area where I think you'd have some useful comments to offer. Well, this is an area I have looked into, you know, and it's a controversial area. And one of the reasons it's so controversial isn't because it couldn't be true that the government, you know, is using psychological weaponry, if you like, or 
materials or technology and that this has a bearing on the UFO issue. That's not the problem for a lot of UFO researchers. The problem is that it affects and undermines their belief systems. You know, there's so many people within the UFO field who who fortunately, not like anybody on the show right now, but who are, quote, true believers. And if you start saying, well, this case or that case may actually have been some sort of psychological warfare program or maybe the people involved were subjected to some sort of modern-day MKUltra mind manipulation program, they get very defensive because you're dealing with potentially upsetting very deeply held belief systems about certain cases. And I think possibly that's why, to some extent at least, the whole psychological warfare manipulation angle of the UFO subject has remained a fringe aspect is because ufology attracts true believers and true believers don't want the status quo upsetting. Um, you know, for example, you know, I wrote a book, Body Snatchers in the Desert, about the Roswell story. Greg wrote Project Beta, or as we say in England, Project Beta. And, um, and, you know, which also, I guess, undermines certain ufological themes. And, of course, both books were panned. Now, whether people feel, you know, the books should be supported or not, the fact is, in part at least, one of the reasons why there was criticism was because certain people in the field quite simply didn't like what they were hearing or didn't like what they were reading. It's and blasphemous. Yeah, exactly. That's what we need to get past within ufology. We need to recognize that nobody really knows what's going on. And if there is a deep or even a fringe or a small amount of you know, psychological warfare involved in the government, it's still an important aspect of the subject. And to dismiss it because it's not an exciting tale about aliens eating people under Dulce, New Mexico, well, you know, that's to me that those are the people with the problem. If you cannot face the possibility that there's something else going on, you, you shouldn't be in the subject. So. Body Snatchers of the Desert. Give our listeners kind of a brief summary about that book. Well, basically what it was, I interviewed about six or seven people, um, elderly people, who essentially related the same account, but broadly from their own perspective, and said that in the summer of 1947, when the whole Roswell thing kicked off, that there were a number, not many, maybe five or six experiments undertaken in the New Mexico desert, high-altitude experiments using large balloon arrays and Japanese prisoners of war to test the effects of high-altitude exposure on people, and that most of these experiments failed. Most of them were recovered quickly by the military. In one case, the one that became known as the Roswell Incidents, a civilian, Mac Brazel, got there before the military, and it led to the legend of the Roswell incident. Now, so basically, course, we're doing know, experimentation on human beings here, and yes, we're trying to base. Sure. Okay, so yes. that gets to raise a whole can of worms, and that can of worms will be open shortly. We're having a special co-host paranormal roundtable featuring Chris O'Brien, Paul Kimball, Nick Redfern, Greg Bishop. You're in the Paracast. Okay, neighbors, here's the problem. Face-to-face -face business meetings with clients and colleagues are always going to be important. But business travel is a hassle, and it's often a complete waste of money. 
Well, here's a solution for you. Do more. Travel less with GoToMeeting. GoToMeeting is an award-winning online meeting service brought to you by Citrix. With just a click, host sales presentations, training sessions, or product demos right from your own desk. Avoid the hassle of traveling and still exceed your sales goals. Plus, GoToMeeting is just $49 a month for unlimited online meetings. Plus, voice over IP and phone conferencing is included. My listeners can try GoToMeeting free for 45 days. For this special offer, visit GoToMeeting.com slash podcast. Once again, GoToMeeting free for 45 days. Visit GoToMeeting.com slash podcast. Nine years, thousands of clients worldwide, amazing results. And here's more proof of the effectiveness of how heart and body extract supports good circulation and healthy arterial flow. My name is Crystal. I'm a 45-year-old and live in Houston, Texas. I was diagnosed with having mitral valve prolapse 10 years ago. My cardiologist said surgery and drugs was the only thing he could offer me. What did Crystal do? I ordered heart and body extract in August 2006. When I first took my first 15 drops, I embraced the formula and could even feel the goodness of the formula starting to work. Clean, clear arteries are happy arteries after using heart and body extract. Learn more at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305. That's hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305. HB Extract comes with a 100% ironclad money-back guarantee. Details at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305 for heart and body extract. Making the right decisions is a challenge to investors. Are we going to see economic growth, slide into a recession, or at worst, depression? Hi, Ted Anderson from Midas Resources. We all know when a company acts irresponsibly, divesting ourselves in a move towards safety is prudent. When the market becomes volatile, U.S. Treasuries are a safe haven. But what do you do when the U.S. government overextends itself and spends beyond its means? Many investors are turning toward gold as a common-sense alternative to traditional paper investments. Midas Resources has put together a powerful book titled 10 Reasons to Own Gold, discussing costs, benefits, risks, featuring full-color illustrations, weights, and measures. The book is free and can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. Paper investments are dwarfed by gold's 6,000-year history. Discover how gold may be right for you and your IRA by calling 800-686-2237. Whether buying or it's time for you to sell, the book is free. Call 800-686-2237. If you suffer from poor sleep, you've got to try my pillow. Introducing the most revolutionary, most comfortable, and coolest pillow ever, my pillow. Imagine your very own custom fit pillow. My pillow is the only pillow of its kind on the market that uses a patented fill, custom made to your exact individual needs. My pillow is 100% made in the USA and has a natural built-in cooling effect that keeps your cervical nerves cool, and that helps you get the best REM sleep possible. My pillow helps alleviate snoring, migraine, sleep apnea, and other sleeping disorders. My pillow is anti microbial, non-allergenic, dust mite resistant, machine washable and dryable, comes in many sizes and will not go flat. And best of all, MyPillow comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. So what do you have to lose? Except poor sleep. Go to MyPillowShop.com, mention coupon code GCN and receive up to $40 off. That's MyPillowShop.com or call 952-442-6199. That's 952-442-6199. MyPillow for the rest of your life. Tired of searching for great talk radio? Search no more. It's good stuff. We are the GCN Radio Network. Yes, yes. 
the Paracast. You never know what's going to happen next. Welcome back to our Paranormal Roundtable with Paul Kimball, Nick Redfern, Greg Bishop, Chris O'Brien, co-hosts all. You're in the Paracast. Chris, I think you have an answer, right? Or at least a response. You know, I've, I've always looked at this subject matter, and like I said, it is a very complicated kaleidoscope, but it, it always has reminded me of a sleight-of-hand magician. Sleight-of-hand magic is, is very intriguing to me, and one of the things that you notice right off is that they always try, try to get you to look at the right hand while the left hand's actually, you know, up, up to the tricks. So I, I, I have always had a sense that we are being programmed to believe that certain things are so when in fact there may be the right hand uh, may be <laughs> deferring to the left hand in terms of what actually is going on. So, you know, again, I, I really think that it's important to remain open-minded, uh, to not factor anything in or out, let the data, uh, you know, kind of drive your, your conclusions. At this point, we don't really have the quality of data that we need to, to you know, prove any of these uh, potential theories as being correct. So, and that goes with the ETH as well. I mean, we don't have one shred of physical evidence that, you know, shows us that we are dealing with something off-planet, just as we don't have any real uh, evidence to, to show that the government is behind most, if not all, UFO sightings, as some conspiracy, uh, more conspiracy-minded people would suggest. So I think that it, it, by its very design, this is a very tricksterish scenario. And, uh, you know, bringing that up, of course, I, I just wrote a book that, that looks at how the paranormal could be an illustration of a collective manifestation of tricksterism that we are all collectively unleashing upon ourselves. And that, of course, that's probably, you know, subject for a whole show. But Okay, so collective look- tricksterism meaning that our subconscious creates these events? Exactly. Um, I would equate it as to being like a cultural stigmata, uh, for instance. Stigmata, of course, is the spontaneous manifestation of faith in an individual. It probably uh, has uh, deeply uh, rooted uh, psychosomatic uh, causal elements going on. Uh, Padre Pio, of course, was a very famous uh, stigmatist. Uh, Stigmata is manifesting the wounds of Jesus. Um, oftentimes, the scent of roses is also detected by, by people nearby. Uh, these wounds uh, tend to not heal. Uh, this is a very interesting, uh, I think, the psychosomatic phenomenon. And I, I think what I'm suggesting is that the collective human unconscious, at, on some level, knows that we are going to, at some point, have to leave this planet. We're going to have to get out there and see the universe in order to save ourselves because eventually we're going to be hit by a you know a, a, you know a, a, like a cretaceous ending asteroid event that happened 65 million years ago or the sun's going to going to go into a, a spasm and fry the earth or eventually in a billion plus years it's going to go supernova so i think collectively we all know this and so i think what we're doing on some level is manifesting real phenomena that are inspiring us and and motivating us uh, to to get off planet, to get out there and see the universe like a a, a breath of wind blowing a dandelion and all the little dandelion seeds go flying off into the wind. At some point, we're going to have to do that for the human race to survive. There may be some sort of evolutionary imperative that is 
contained within the collective unconscious. Uh, again, I do go with the Carl Jung uh, idea of the collective unconscious as a manifestation of very basic symbols in all cultures around the planet. So, I mean, we really need to get creative and, and start factoring out closed system possibilities, closed system explanations before we get anthropomorphic enough to jump off planet. Greg, where are you jumping with this? Where am I jumping? I thought of a few things while people was talking. One was a government angle, which um, a couple of the, you know, Chris and um, Nick mentioned that I wrote a book called Project Beta or Beta, Nick. Beta. <laughs> Beta. The, what that book dealt with was the, the story of a guy who was um, basically looking at things he wasn't supposed to. He was looking at uh, U.S. government uh, operations, um, exercises, things like that. Uh, at a military base in New Mexico. Now, he thought it was aliens and UFOs from, from other planets, and he told the military that. And they either, it wasn't true or they just didn't want him to think that, so they started telling him to um, continue to report to them. And eventually what happened was he ended up in a mental institution and the government um, kept all its secrets. And the book I wrote about it, people were kind of irritated with it because I did not make a lot of UFO uh, what researchers look very good, be, mainly because it was a um, it was a warning. People say, why is this important? Why is this government angle important? And I think it's important, at least from the standpoint of what I wrote, is because if some of these things come down the pike again, or we are being fooled again by somebody in the military or in the intelligence services of our country or any country, we should look for the, you know, kind of look for the hallmarks of that and take things with a grain of salt so we can find out a little better. And as for the high strangeness part of things and what Nick mentioned and in getting involved, um, that's real interesting to me because I think I, when he said that, I realized when my mind kind of got flipped in, from being a asking people, talking to people, doing interviews, and that to being sort of very deeply involved with it. It was when I interviewed a researcher named Carla Turner, who is dead now. Um, the night before I interviewed her, and she was a, she was an abduction researcher who said, claimed to have had abductions, and her family had had them, UFO abductions, as they're called. Um, the night before I was going to interview her, I started waking up. I got very nervous. I couldn't sleep. And I woke up at 222, 333, 444, 555, and 6, well, that's as far as it goes. You mean precisely at those times? I wake up and I would look at the clock and that's what time it would be. And so I went to interview Carla that day and I said, I said Carla, what's going on? I, I, I woke up and she, and she said, that's funny, nobody's ever mentioned that, at least back in 1995 when I, when I interviewed her. And that's a classic UFO abduction scenario, that uh, somebody who's being affected by beings or whatever you want to call them, being abducted, having encounters, wakes up at those times. I said, I don't remember any such thing, and it's never happened to me before. And, and it never happened to me after that. So what was going on there? What, what, was, what was I becoming involved with? <laughs> I don't know. And there's no way I could have gotten that information because nobody had ever talked about it. So, you know, the, the phenomenon becomes recursive to you and starts talking to you. And at that point, um, a lot of the bets are off and you've embarked on a completely different voyage than you signed up for a lot of the time. That, that, another reason that why this, all this continues to fascinate me. Well, okay, this creates a whole bunch of things that we can talk about, which one of the possibilities being that maybe you were abducted because you kept getting up 
at those particular times, and I can't even begin to have you answer that question on this segment. And we will in a moment because we're getting to that time again. A reminder, ladies and gentlemen, you want to find out more about the show, thepowercast.com. It's got the T-H-E ahead of it. Thepowercast.com is our site where you can check out every single episode since the show debuted in February of 2006. We also have very active discussion forums at forum.thepowercast.com. That's forum.thepowercast.com, and some of our co-hosts occasionally drop in to say hello, but it's really a place for you to participate. We're talking to Christopher O'Brien, Paul Kimball, Nicholas Redfern, Greg Bishop. You're in the Paracast. Is there a secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and Freudian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to MrUFO at WebTV.net. That's MrUFO at WebTV.net. Find out what they don't want you to know. When you hear the words water purification, what comes to mind? If it's Berkey Water Purification Systems, this message is for you. Did you know that over 60% of municipal water contains fluoride and less than two cents per gallon? Berkey water filters purify treated and untreated water, remove dangerous chlorine, fluoride, and contaminants from municipal water. These filters are powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water, making them perfect for rainwater collection systems. From the smallest to the largest systems, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com has what you need. With your system purchase, you'll receive a shower filter, a fluoride filter, or two sport Berkey bottles absolutely free. BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com would like to offer GCN listeners 5% off all ceramic filter systems and ship all orders over $50 free of charge. Visit BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. That's BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. Or call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 1-877-99-BERKEY today. If you owe the IRS money you can't pay, then listen carefully, because you already know that the problem won't go away by itself. You can get help today from the leading tax expert in the country, Dan Pilla. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. The IRS isn't going to just forget about you. Right now, the IRS is hiring thousands of tax collectors to go after delinquent accounts just like yours. That's why you need to take action today, and I can help. I take a simple but proven approach to solving your tax debt problem. First, I stabilize collections so you don't have to worry about wage and bank levies. Next, I build a detailed plan to get your debt reduced to the fullest extent possible, sometimes even eliminated. Finally, I work with you every step of the way to get your problem solved once and for all. So call now for a free consultation. Call 1-800-346-6829. Dan Pillow will solve your tax problem guaranteed. He's helped thousands of people, and he can help you, too. Call us today at 800-346-6829. That's 800-34-NO-TAX. Listen up, folks. This is important. Alex Jones here. Now you can get free shipping on the storable, easy-to-fix, delicious food from eFoodsDirect.com. 
from July 4th through July 14th. We have looming evacuations in the southeast, unemployment insurance running out, and predictions of huge inflation. So we all need to get as much food as we can. Every one of you needs to buy as much storable food as possible. This is the perfect time to do just that with eFoods Direct and take advantage of their free shipping special. When you order from eFoodsDirect.com from July 4th through July 14th, every dollar you spend will buy the food, and eFoods Direct will pay for the shipping in the continental United States. This is Alex Jones wishing you and your family true independence this 4th of July with great food and free shipping through July 14th from eFoodsDirect.com. You can order on the website eFoodsDirect.com or simply call 800-409-5633. That's 800-409-5633 or on the web at eFoodsDirect.com forward slash ship free. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. You guys are awesome. I love the station. I really do. GCN. Hi, this is Nick Pope. You're listening to the Paracast. This is the co-host roundtable featuring Greg Bishop, Nicholas Redfern, Carl Kimball, Christopher <laughs> O'Brien, Paul. So were you abducted? <laughs> safe to say that the answer to that question is no. Not for lack of trying to be abducted by any one of a number of young actresses. Yeah, so I was going to say. He's married so now, so he can't do that anymore. Who's married? Greg's married. Yes, I'm not married. Well, then you mm-hmm. want to be abducted. Yes, exactly. Yes. That was my point. Paul still has a chance. I don't. <laughs> okay, everybody, everybody who got that raised their hands. <laughs> Mine's up. Everybody's hand is down. Everybody's thumb is down. I'm sorry, Paul. No, no, that's all right. Sorry. That's what I get for trying to be funny. No, that's everybody okay. Knows. I mean, we are all trying to be funny. I never I succeed, so anybody who can manage it is just marvelous. But seriously, Greg, you think having those crazy experiences, getting up at those weird hours, something really happened to you? Or was it just because you had somehow gotten into some kind of mental rhythm there? I think it's more of the second because, one, I, don't, I didn't have any other indication that anything else was amiss. And two, I guess, you know, like anybody, that's what I choose to believe based on the evidence that um, came to me then and later and I, I nothing else weird happened. One other weird thing did happen. The day after I left, when my friend took me to the airport, he said that when he got back, his neighbors said that two people who were dressed in some sort of um, workman's clothes were doing something to his water heater. It was one of those ones that's external outside the house um, in a metal, kind of a little metal shed. And they left, and before my friend got home, the fire department came because the water heater caught on fire and almost burned the place down. And I don't know why they were doing that or what if it had any relationship to what had happened to us that weekend, but it seemed like, and Chris and um, Nick, I, I think particularly, and Paul with his ghost hunting, will confirm this. When, when you get into certain areas, you somehow enter some sort of weird field, and things start making either weird sense or no sense at all, but it's all happening around you for a little while. And, and uh, most of the time you can't make any you know, head or tail of it, but you seem to be in the center of it. And if you're lucky, sometimes you, get, uh, you, you might get a lesson out of it. If you're unlucky, it, it uh, drives you crazy and you drop out of the field, I suppose. <laughs> you know, it's funny, ladies and gentlemen, I dropped out of the UFO field three or four times in my life. And I don't know if I can answer that question. I don't think anything weird happened to me. But, Paul, you were involved in a Canadian-produced ghost-hunting-type TV show. Did you ever meet up with a ghost or something really weird? Well, those are two different questions. So did I ever meet up with a ghost? I don't know. 
And even if I did, I'm not sure I'd know it because I'm not sure what anybody means by ghost. But I'll adopt the definition that you mean. Somebody who's died and passed on to the, the next realm, if there is such a next okay, realm. Okay, granted. Let's use that one. Sure. I don't know. Beats me. Did I have any weird experiences? Sure. Absolutely. I mean, you can't go, as, as Holly and I did, uh, my co-host Holly Stevens and I did, to 12, actually 13 different allegedly haunted locations. And even if, you know, by sort of process of osmosis, you hear that you know that these are supposedly haunted going in. It's not like you operate in a vacuum. Even if your crew just drove you to a house and dropped you off, you'd still know that the crew was driving you to a house that was supposedly behind was supposedly haunted. Why? Because you're doing a ghost hunting show, not a cooking show. So any ghost hunter, <laughs> and I use the term ghost hunter not to mean a particular series, but any so-called ghost investigator that shows up on TV and tries to pretend, well, we had no idea what to expect. Yeah, right. <laughs> you, you, you absolutely know what to expect, and you've been brief. So maybe there's things playing on your mind. Even taking that into account, um, there are ways – where you can sort of find, you always find new things out when you get there. And sure, there were five, six, at least six of the places we went that I think Holly or I, or in some cases Holly and I together, had what I would call a genuinely weird experience. Doesn't mean that it couldn't be explained in prosaic terms. It just means that I can't explain it in prosaic terms. And I've tried. So, I, you know, but what that means, I don't know. All it means is something strange happened to us. And Lay one or two on us, okay? Um, sure. Actually, I'm trying to, because I've done a lot of shows promoting this, including an episode of the Paracast, that if you go in the archives, Holly and I were on back in April of 2009, I think, and we talked to, about ghost cases. Um, one of the ones that I haven't really talked about quite so much is, and which involves physical, well, it involves yeah, physical evidence, I guess. We were at the Algonquin Hotel, which is in St. Andrews, New Brunswick, on the main border. Very creepy, very old hotel. And there were a number of sort of ghost stories about this place. I think every building in the Maritime Provinces in Canada is haunted. There's always a story. But one of the particular stories that we focused on was a bride in one of the rooms on the fourth floor. She, um, about 100 years ago, had showed up for her wedding. The husband had jilted her at the altar. Although, for some reason, my, my co-producer didn't want me to use the word jilted in my narration. I, I still don't understand that, but that was my co-producer. Um, but she was jilted at the altar, so she went up to the fourth floor, and as the story goes, she jumped out the window and killed herself. Well, perfect. And now people have reported seeing her in the hallway and experiencing things in the room. So Holly and I would run this segment we called Spooky Hour, where we would spend about an hour in whatever the supposedly haunted room was, and try and make contact for, you know, see if anything would happen. So it was us, maybe one or two lights to give it a spooky ambiance for television. Because, again, if anybody on a television show tells you that they're not ramping it up because it's television, they're lying. So I have no problem telling you, yeah, sure, we lit the room to make it look slightly spookier because it's television, people. At the end of the day, it's entertainment. But we also took what we were doing seriously. So you got the lights, you got us, you got the camera set up, and that's it. So we sit there. I do my shtick because I'm single, and um, I had I was in a long-term relationship that broke up. I focused on that. I figured, look, you got dumped. Mine didn't work out. You know, I tried to pick up the ghost, for lack of a better way of putting it, which I think quite <laughs> I think quite upset Holly. She was, you know, usually 
she was more upset than she usually was with me. And I'd done some pretty strange uh, things. So anyway, nothing really happened. We went on, did our business, did some other things, ran some other sort of segments. And then the crew and I were all going to pack up. You know, we're done. Thank you. And Hollywood, we had set up DVR cameras, small mini DV infrared cameras throughout the hotel. We did that every place we went. Standard tools of the ghost investigating trade. You'll see them on Ghost Hunters and all those shows. So we had set one up in that room right by where the window was, but pointing into so you could see the room. It was just the best place to put it. We had the station, a computer station in, at the opposite wall that just happened to be where we, after Holly and I had been done in that room, the crew had set up because we were done in that room. They said, fine, we'll put the computer panel here that monitors all the DVR things because we had moved on somewhere else. Now there was nobody in the room. Holly came back in, and as she tells it later, she said she felt like she had to apologize to the spirit of the wife if, or the bride if she was there for me. I never asked Holly to apologize for me, but she felt she had to. So she goes back in, and she just gravitates towards the monitor. Uh, you know, it's the bright, shiny thing in a dark room that's showing pictures. So she just naturally went there to have a look. As she kneels down on the stool to take a look at it from the wall right beside her head, and this is being picked up on the DVR camera that is recording from the window in this direction. And I'm not a, you know, I think up until this point, I thought every orb on the planet could be explained um, in prosaic terms. But here's what happens. An orb forms right next to her head and flies directly across the room in a straight line you know, like a be it doesn't, it's not a piece of dust, it's a straight line, and right out, although you can't see it leave, but right by the camera, right to where the window is that the bride supposedly jumped out of. Now, to me, that's that's very interesting, and people we've shown that to, uh, including a show on A&E, which is going to be showing it in the U.S., they were so interested in it. Um, it's the kind of thing that you really don't see on Ghost Hunters or any of these other shows, and we happen to catch it. But what makes it even more interesting for me is that just after the orb flies past Holly's head, manifests and flies past her head, while it's still on screen, she turns around. She turns around and looks directly at the window, at the path that the orb is taking, as if, she put it later, as if she, she felt like maybe she sensed something behind her. Now, that's a story that contains a lot of moving parts. I wasn't even there, but I can review the footage. I can look at it. I have the greatest respect for Holly, who has a bachelor's degree in science. She's, she's not a wingnut. She's a skeptic, like me. And both of us came out of that thinking that there may actually have been something paranormal happening there. Couldn't prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. All you can do is show people the footage and show them Holly and let her tell her, you know, why she turned around and say it's not just one thing that you can discount. You have to discount both things, her reaction and what you see on the screen. Good luck. Nicholas Redfern, Greg Bishop, Paul Kimball, Christopher O'Brien joining us. You're in the PowerCast. Ray Perkins a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockwells. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack, Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, 
Rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack, Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. You've seen our Sinofresh banner on the GCN website, yet your sinusitis is still a problem. Are you waiting for your sinusitis to go away by itself? Are you waiting for a Sinofresh discount? Okay, here it comes. But first, the facts. 67 other products merely treat symptoms and not the cause of sinus problems. And 37 million Americans suffer from sinus distress just like you. But now many are finding relief with the only patent-protected homeopathic nasal product that antiseptically eliminates the known causes of sinusitis. Sinofresh. Now, here's your limited-time discount offer to use Sinofresh. Call 888-906-3636 right now for $2 off per bottle when you mention GCN. That's it. Just call 888-906-3636 and mention GCN for a $2 discount. But hurry, this offer is only for the first 1,000 customers. Call 888-906-3636. 888-906-3636. Call right now for $2 off per bottle. Mention GCN. Buy Sinofresh.com. It works. You worry, but only because you're paying attention. What's happening in the Gulf of Mexico illustrates an audacity toward nature. A similar audacity called GMO, or genetically modified organisms, means that the quality of commercially grown food may be compromised with our health in the balance. Now that summer's here, what better time to learn about the bounty that nature provides in wild edible food? Let author Linda Runyon show you the best-kept secret in plain sight, that food is everywhere you look. This summer, for the cost of a good meal or two out, you can literally starvation-proof yourself and your loved ones against any future craziness and put up tons of free food, too. Whatever experiment is being run on us, you can rest assured that Linda's 50 or so staple foods aren't involved. Our foods are their enemy. So go to ofthefield.com or call toll-free 1-888-51-EAT-FREE and take that first step. Make your oasis of food security and nutrition now. That's O-F-T-H-E-F-I-E-L-D dot com or call 1-888-513-2837. Start now and make 2010 your year of independence. Question, what would you rather drink, acidic water which burns holes in your body and causes loss of bone mass, or alkaline water which promotes high energy and vibrant health? The answer is clear. And if you're drinking acidic water, you're helping cancer cells and bacteria to grow out of control. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops combine a unique formula of the most alkaline minerals. Using Plasma pH Drops is the best way to alkalize your water and help you get rid of acid and regain your health and energy. Simply put 10 drops in the water you drink to Raise the pH to a healthy alkaline level. Most experts agree that the water you drink should be at a pH level of 8 or higher. Disease organisms like bacteria, viruses, or cancer cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops now by going directly to AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or by calling 269-409-1776. Again, 269-409-1776. Tired of searching for great talk radio? Search no more. I'm told that it has everything. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're in the Paracast. You never know what's going to happen next. Our special UFO Paranormal Roundtable featuring our co-hosts, Chris O'Brien, Paul Kimball, Nick Redfern, Greg Bishop. Now, Paul, we should mention also that most of the so-called orb photos are really just dust reflections, right? Yeah, and, you know, camera artifacts, all sorts. I mean, you should come into to my apartment. There's dust flying everywhere. In fact, and your entire apartment is, I understand, an orb reflection. 
It's an it's orb not factory. there. It's just an orb. An orb factory. Yeah. I, I go out on the sidewalk orb in the farm. afternoon. Orb farm. I like that. I go on the sidewalk. Free range orbs, everybody. And, <laughs> you know, I sort of sell them along with lemonade to little kids walking by. Have your he lemonade. makes a lot of money, by the way. Ladies and gentlemen, he's got a franchise opportunity for you. Yeah. Orby McOrby's Orbs Emporium. So there you go. Check it on the Internet if you can remember that. I think yeah. somebody's going to register that name right now. Probably. So I had seen umpteen numbers of photos of orbs. We'd even recorded video of orbs, which I would look at, and I would go, well, that's clearly dust, or it's just moving like dust, you know, dust. Um, I don't find anything remotely anomalous about this. My co-producer, who was perhaps a little more interested in ratings than I am, or perhaps he believed, I don't know, uh, he took them more seriously. To get me to put them in an episode, I was just like, right, great. I'm not doing the narration for it. Get Holly to do it, because I can't do it with a straight face, with the exception of the Algonquin. And, you know, this is why I think people should take seriously a guy like me when I say something like this. Because there you are. I basically just said 99.999% of all orbs can be explained. But then a guy like me comes forward, a true skeptic, and I say, you know what? I can't explain this one, particularly given the circumstances. So I think... You know, don't listen to the believers, and people know what I mean when I say that. Don't listen to what Greg would call the fundamentalist skeptics, the people who just, I call them disbelievers. They're the two sides of the same coin. Listen to the true skeptic, the people that are not convinced but keep an open mind. And I think all four of us here in our own ways are true skeptics, and Gene, too. I met the four co-hosts. And when people well, I'm like always us, an afterthought, by the way, ladies and well, gentlemen. Yeah. I'm the afterthought. Uh, Don't worry about me. I'm just the fly on the wall. Yeah, well, he's, you're not involved with Orby McOrby's Orb Emporium, so. Uh, I wish I was. I could use the extra cash. You know, maybe we can do a deal on the side here. Ground floor. <laughs> he just announced it. That's right. Grounded floor of Orby McOrby's. That's going to be my Facebook update later tonight. Paul is now the manager of Orby McOrby's Orb Emporium. Um, and nobody will know what I mean. And funds. And farms, sorry, yes. And by exactly. the way, we can't run a stock offering. There are certain SEC regulations. You know, I understand that some people oh, in the UFO Sean Moore field don't care about the SEC, but we yeah. do. Yeah, right. Yeah. Sean Morton will. <laughs> you know who doesn't care about the SEC, Gene? Canadians. I mean, I, I don't care. Right. You're a Canadian, so you have your own authority. Don't you have some kind of equivalent agency up there? Yeah, probably. I, I don't worry about them, the feds, you know, until they come knock on my door with their hooded soldiers or whatever. Yeah, Ladies and gentlemen, that. if you are listening in Canada, you are a hooded soldier. Look up Paul's address. You know which address he's using right now. You know where he is. You know what he's doing. You know how to go after him. Go ahead. Sure. My I permission. There's all sorts of them. They were busy oppressing, you know, peace-loving citizens in Toronto at the G20 just a week ago. So I'm sure they have, I'm sure they have nothing better to do right now. So send them on down to Halifax. Here I am. Come on down, boys. Um, you see, we never discuss politics here, right? <laughs> But, you know, something that goes back to what we were talking about earlier about government projects, black projects, secret government stuff. Anybody amongst this panel pay any heed at all to the claims of secret governments, secret leadership, that kind of stuff? Anybody want to jump in? Somebody jump in. Well, I, I do sometimes. Go ahead. Well, sometimes. I mean, I would say so to the effect that in the event of a national emergency, there are rules and regulations in place to... I won't say overthrow the government, but basically to, you know, embark on a path that's akin to, like, martial law. There's no doubt about that. I mean, back in England, for example, in the late 1990s, 
I mean, I remember a friend of mine who had connections at the British government's home office actually showed me a number of documents drawn up in the event that, you know, there was a, a nuclear war. The documents, which I actually have copies of, which talk about, you know, things like invoking, invoking martial law, using, like, tear gas on people to prevent them getting to food supplies and things like that. You know, and that's only one step away from firing squads, etc. in, you know, in a national emergency, like a a nuclear attack, localised or countrywide. And countrywide, of course, isn't going to probably be nobody around to control things anyway. But, um, you know, I think whether or not you agree or perceive that as being like a secret government or you perceive it as being the extreme form of government in the event of the most mind-numbing worst disaster ever, I think is kind of a moot point. You know, do I think... The Bilderbergers are going to take over the world tomorrow with the help of the reptilians. No, I don't, sir. Okay, Chris, you know, because you covered all those strange events in San Luis Valley, anything amongst all those crazy things give you the impression of government involvement of some sort? A- absolutely. Uh, in terms of the operative word there, Gene, is, is impression. Yes, uh, many times I was impressed. Um, can I prove any of the... Uh, you know, some sort of uh, nefarious agenda that could, you know, somehow be, uh, you know, connecting all these uh, what seem to be divergent um, events. No, I can't. But if I have a wave of UFO sightings and, uh, you know, several dozen reports and also military convoys that nobody can really identify are zipping around the, you know, the valley in one case, our, our you know our, we have a National Guard unit that uh, used to be a medical unit. Now it's a military police unit. They were sent out for training on some maneuvers, uh, I think, in another state. And while they were gone, there seemed to be military convoys being reported uh, on by a number of witnesses zipping around the valley right at the height of a UFO wave. Now, I, I personally uh, am impressed by that. Can I prove that there's any sort of connection between uh, the appearance of a, you know, a shadowy uh, convoy uh, activity, you know, on that weekend? No, I can't. I, there may be no connection at all. It may be some sort of coincidence or meaningful synchronicity, uh, what have you. But, you know, I really think that the military-industrial complex, that, uh, that nefarious uh, multi-headed beast that Eisenhower warned us of uh, when he was leaving office, you know, people say, well, is there going to be disclosure of the UFO uh, mystery and, and what our government knows? Uh, is the government going to disclose this? Uh, heck no. It's the military-industrial complex, in my opinion, that probably has the, you know, is holding the strings of knowledge, I think, in, in many ways. I think our elected officials are probably as out of the loop about much of this stuff as we are, and I think it's it's your aerospace companies, it's your your high tech um, you know black project uh, developers. Uh, I think they're the ones that are probably the ones that are riding herd on a lot of this information. So when we say black projects, government, military, we also have to include the um, the corporations that tend to uh, call the shots. Uh, in much of what goes on, in, at least here in the United States, they definitely have to be factored into the equation. So, you know, you talk about underground bases, you talk about uh, exotic aerial uh, craft, um, these types of things. Uh, 
sure the government probably has a role in this, but I think a lot of this really uh, is on the doorstep of, of the, the high-tech uh, aerospace companies and others. You know, there also were reports back in the 1950s that, as a matter of fact, it's one of the discussions that have happened over at the PowerCast forums at forum.thepowercast.com, where Ike, President Eisenhower, met E.T. back in the 1950s. Anybody lend credence to any of that? Okay, that's no. a good answer. Thank you. Yeah. No, <laughs> haven't heard anything to convince me of such things and many things to not convince me of it because it's based on inferences from uh, documents that have been uncovered about Ike's whereabouts when he was out here visiting California and Palm Springs in 1956 or 7 or whenever it was. Um, no direct evidence. But, of course, there's no direct evidence of any of these things, so you kind of take it under, under advisement. However, there are people that are willing and, and, and want to believe such things, and those are the ones that push it as the truth um, because they want it to be the truth. Now, uh, from most people's perspective, it's just, like I said, inference from um, a, uh, a vagueness about where Ike was for a few hours on one day on, on that trip out to California. Isn't that something where he supposedly went to a dentist or something? Of course, I was alive in the 50s, but I don't remember that particular case. But some people think I've been alive for so long it doesn't matter what case is involved. I probably must remember it. You know, I remember Ezekiel's wheels. Someone wrote me a letter. Gene, you remember Ezekiel's wheels, don't you? We have Paul Kimball, Nicholas Redfern, Greg Bishop, Christopher O'Brien, because they're just great co-hosts for the PowerCast. I don't want to emphasize one over the other, so I vary the pace in the introductions. Another hour coming. You're in the Paracast. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you own an Apple iPhone and love to listen to your favorite programs on GCN, I've got good news for you. I'm proud to announce that GCN has a brand new iPhone app available for our dedicated listeners at GCNlive.com. Listen to your favorite hard-hitting GCN programs live or on demand right on your iPhone. And the best part? The GCN iPhone app can be yours absolutely free. Download the iPhone app today by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Hi, Ted Anderson. I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Paracast. You're in the Paracast, our introductory show for the GCN Network. We're doing a special co-host roundtable. We're a band of experts, or near-do-wells, whatever you prefer, is here to tell you how things came to be, what they think about all the weird stuff that's going on. We have... Greg Bishop, Nick Redfern, Paul Kimball, Christopher O'Brien, experts all. Paul, looking from the outside, looking in as a Canadian, what do you think about all the government conspiratorial talk? 
Well, it depends on what you mean by government conspiracy. Do you mean that the sorry the aliens? Do you mean that the government has a flying saucer and a hangar at Wright Patterson or Area 51? No. Do you do you mean that Majestic 12 exists or some organization like that that is guarding the secrets, probably along with the Ark of the Covenant and everything else Indiana Jones ever found, to the alien presence on Earth? No. The 1955 Eisenhower story. No, I mean, I could just go down the list and go, no, 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 no. Does that mean that there are no conspiracies? Of course not. Does that mean that the government isn't involved in some really strange, freaky, sometimes or oftentimes illegal things, often directed at their own citizens? Well, if you don't believe that, you should buy Greg's book, Project Beta. I've become the pimp for Greg's Project Beta. You mean Project Beta, don't you? Project Beta, yes. Project Beta. Beta. Yes, Lovely and I Beta. appreciate it, Paul. Lovely Beta. Reset. What was there in that book again, Greg? <laughs> <laughs> it's still available I, now that we've been pimping this book. We're selling this book, Project Beta. Can we buy it still? Yes, yeah, it's still available on Amazon and um, on Amazon, I guess, and, and from uh, probably various uh, used booksellers. It's been out for a while. It's I don't know if it's officially out of print. It might be, but... It's a five-year-old book. It's still out there. And um, when I have another book to pimp, I will present that one as well. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy. We were going to – I was saying – I was lamenting today that our friend Mac Tony isn't around because I wanted him to draw a comic book um, about a day in the life of Nick Redfern. He wakes up in the morning and there's a book on his pillow because he wrote it in his sleep. And then he proceeds to write three or four more books during the day as he's doing various activities and appear on two or three radio shows and television programs. Then at night he's got he's uh, got another book about halfway done before he passes out. That's how prolific Nick is. Okay, Nick, you know you're the center of the conversation here. Just how many books have you written about anything? Uh, well, coincidentally, I did a new book out last week called Monsters of Texas, which is all about cryptozoological creatures in Texas. So uh, We'll have to I do a show about that, that in the near future. That was called a synchronicity, you see. Greg brought it up. It just so happens that I did have a new book. <laughs> and by the way, how much money does Nick owe Greg for this? <laughs> oh, well, I shall pay him in their records. It's, it's a percentage. Like We've worked out a percentage deal. Yeah. Fair enough. Of course, that's pretty good. Front end or back end? Because the back end, of course, you never get any money. Seriously, Nick, okay, so <laughs> since we dropped your name into the pile here, how many books have you written? Fess oh, up. About, about 20, something like that. Okay, you're getting close to my total. I have 30. Most are technology <laughs> books that nobody, nobody has ever read. I've got five. <laughs> Not mine. Oh, you mean you wrote five. Brad Steiger's up to like 170 or something. So. Oh, heavens, yeah. Hey, him and Tim Beckley, and, and then uh, Chris is in second place here with, with five. Four published. Yeah, Tim, Tim cranks about like a dip daily, literally. Tim has written about 400 books. Wasn't there, I won't mention his name, some crazy UFO writer who said he was going to do 1,000 books a year? No, it was a 500-book deal. I think it varied. I heard it was a thousand book deal, but even more so, the fact is, what is it? One word per book? How do you do that? <laughs> well, people you, know, you have one word it. saying book one, six hundred pages that are all blank. Yeah, with one word, and you got to get a cliffhanger at the end of each one with that one word. Well, you know, Walter Gibson, who was one of the people who wrote 
shadow novels in the 30s and 40s, he wrote 300 shadow novels. Three hundred. I wonder, wonder what his wife thought. Not a lot, probably. Well, they were short novels. It's not like, you know, it would be a book of about 150 pages or something. It wouldn't be a three or 400-page book or something like that. But 300. It's probably, it's probably hard to think when you're spending all your time with the pool boy. <laughs> you know more about this author than we do, I guess. Yeah. I mean, if you wrote 300 books, the wife's got to be doing something. Well, he died at the age of 88. His name was Walter Brown Gibson. And he was a magician. And, you know, if you look him up, he was one of the people best known for writing 300 novel-length shadow stories under the name Maxwell Grant. He wrote up to 10,000 words a day during his heyday. Oh, can you do that, Nick? Oh, God. No, I can't. I think he can. <laughs> I probably could, but I'd end up probably a very sad individual if I did. So. <laughs> Andy and Mrs. Redfern would be kicking you in places you don't want to know about. Exactly. <laughs> so, Paul, when's your book coming out? Um, well, weirdly enough, I was supposed, I legitimately was supposed to co-write one on the Ghost Cases um, series, and uh, I more or less kept up my half of the bargain, and my co-author didn't. So that book will never see the light of day. But uh, I am working on a book of poetry. But it's not paranormal poetry, so that's that's all I have to offer. Oh well, I do I do films. I make films. We well, can call because each there's film a book in a sense because it's a complete project. How many films have you done? Um, well, I mean, how many have I done? Twelve, thirteen, maybe fourteen documentaries, feature films, and stuff. But um, you know, one film is probably worth about five books given the relative pay rates. So. Oh, I don't want to tell you what I used to get for these computer books. I write these computer instruction books. I did close to 30, by, I said, and I got worn out real fast because they wanted the complete book in like three and a half, four weeks. Ooh. I was going crazy. And one day I woke up and said, I can't do this anymore. I mean, I don't mind writing. I've been writing since I was, you know, 15 years old, but I can't do this. Hmm. So here I, I am. This is all I have left, folks. Sorry. I took a look at my um, LinkedIn page, and I've done five documentaries related to the paranormal and um, the Ghost Cases series, so 12, 13 episodes, rather, of, of ghost hunting. Um, so, yeah, you know, there's a fair bit of paranormal stuff there. Now, you have some new films coming out, one or two of which are straight-ahead movies. They're not documentaries. Yeah, one of them's a, well, yeah, weirdly enough, even though I did a feature film, it was about vampires. So well, Vampires are big now. I mean, everybody loves vampires. Well, yeah, but, I mean, they were big in the 30s, too. I mean, vampires are timeless creatures. But, yeah, I, I co-wrote, too, a, a script with the, our good friend Mac Tonys, which um, he didn't live long enough to see the script finished but um, based on a, a short story that he had written a few years ago. So we're hoping that that will be in production in 2011. But, um, yeah, you know, try and keep busy. It can't, you, know, you can't spend all your time surfing message boards in the, on the Internet about paranormal stuff. It, it does tend to get a little dull mm -hmm. after five or six minutes. Of so, course, yeah. if they have a C-level comic book character who really needs a first-class yes. film, his name is Paul Kimball, folks. It's Red Star Films. 
elongated man i really want to do an elongated man film and uh, and then maybe we can team up with the marvel franchise and have mr fantastic meets elongated man uh, and, i'm not gonna touch that one yeah, yeah no well, jokes about elongated and men yeah well there used uh, to be a character called plastic man when i was a kid he's like a lot he's different but the principle's the same these guys who can stretch so you know, there's your super there's your superpower for you. Comes in handy in a bar, though. I I would say if you're in this really crowded bar and you don't want to have to walk to the bar or frankly the washroom, stretching is good. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to touch that. Well, I should hope not. That would be very because you know we're just stretching out here. Haha. Yeah. Talking about things that go bump in the night and trying to figure out why a film about some character called Elongated Man would work. I think they gave up on the Fantastic Four franchise after two films. Okay, so that was it. You know, by the way, this isn't it, but we are talking to Paul Kimball, Chris O'Brien, Nick Redfern, Greg Bishop. You're in the Paracast. Hey, neighbors, have you been thinking about starting a website? Well, I'm going to tell you about a great offer from HostGator. HostGator is a world-famous leader in web hosting, and they make it easy for you to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and great selection of templates. Use the coupon code PowerCast. Once again, use the coupon code PowerCast and sign up at this special address, thepowercast.com slash gator. That's G-A-T-O-R, thepowercast.com slash gator. For 58 years, fate has provided true reports of the strange and unknown. Fate brings you the latest in all aspects of the paranormal, like angels and miracles, psychic phenomena, ghosts, UFOs, and much, much more. To receive your complimentary Fate magazine, call now at 1-800-728-2730 or visit their website at www.fatemag.com. That's 1-800-728-2730. What are you waiting for? Your fate awaits. Gold is like nothing else on Earth. From the Romans through the Renaissance, from the Industrial Age to the Space Age, gold has weathered the test of time. For 6,000 years, gold has remained the ultimate store of wealth. According to the World Gold Council and the U.S. Mint, demand is at an all-time high. The stage is being set for the reemergence of gold as the common-sense alternative to a fiat paper currency that gets weaker every day. Midas Resources is proud to offer the hard-hitting report that arms you with the truth you need to protect you and your family from the Fed's plans for your hard-earned money. Don't gamble with your future. Call Midas Resources today and ask for your free copy of As Good As Gold. Call 1-800-686-223. For the report the Fed hopes you'll never see. As good as gold can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. If you have ever thought about owning gold, you must read this report. Call Midas today at 800-686-2237. Of the 3 million plus edible food plants that grow on earth, no other single plant can compare with the nutritional value of the powder, seeds, and oil of the hemp plant. At HempUSA.org, we ship worldwide these nutritional products with free shipping to the U.S. and Canada. At HempUSA.org, we want to educate our listeners that edible hemp is not marijuana and is certified THC-free. 
Our powder is 50% protein and does not contain gluten. Gluten impairs the cells from absorbing nutrients. This nutrient-dense food can be stored up to five years when vacuum-packed and is priced affordably to be used as a storable food. HempUSA.org is a bulk shipper starting with five pounds and up. To allow this food to work for you, call 908-691-2608 or go to HempUSA.org and order today. The body will react and heal itself given the proper nutrition. This superfood will be your greatest asset. So try it today, store it today, and change your life. Call 908-691-2608 or order from HempUSA.org. Normal blood pressure, naturally. How would that make you feel? I'm Don from New Mexico. January of 2000, I had a heart attack. Then my real health began going downhill, and I had uh, high blood pressure, high blood sugar, poor vision, and I really wasn't sleeping well. I was a mess, pretty much. Don reports dramatic improvements with heart and body extract. I started taking uh, heart and body extract, and from within a few days, I started sleeping a lot better. My blood pressure uh, normalized, my blood sugar normalized, and uh, my sleep really did improve. Experience these benefits and more when your body gets what it needs with the assistance of heart and body extract. Order at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305. That's hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305. And folks, I did not expect this at all. By the 7th, 8th, and ninth day, I saw dramatic improvements from taking heart and body extract. Details at hbextract.com or call 866-295-5305 for heart and body extract. On air, online, and on demand. They say we offer simple answers to complex problems. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're in the Paracast. You never know what's going to happen next. A special co-host Paranormal Roundtable featuring Greg Bishop, Nicholas Redfern, Paul Kimball, Chris O'Brien. Chris, you have a film? In production, maybe? Well, I've actually been, yeah, I, like Paul, I've, uh, I haven't been uh, Mr. Producer, but I have been involved in quite a number of actually ghost investigations and documentary films uh, in the past six years. And I am working on, uh, on something now, which I'm not allowed to really talk about, but uh, I know it sounds kind of weird. but I have uh, three expert questionnaires who are sitting here, and they are going to get the information out of you by hook or crook. Well, okay, well, let me put it this way. It is a follow-up to uh, our inaugural uh, project called Dead Whisper, which chronicled a crack team of uh, ghost investigators going to some of the more notorious haunted sites in America. And we are doing a follow-up uh, piece to that, but uh, I can't divulge the actual locations where we've already uh, done our filming. But, but yeah, I, I, I am involved uh, pretty extensively in, in the video production realm. Uh, my literary pursuits uh, are my primary focus. Uh, I am working on a follow-up to my, my last book, uh, Stalking the Tricksters. And um, I'm also working on a, a guidebook to portal areas in the southwest United States. Uh, okay, which is you a, have to define the word portal areas for people who aren't familiar with that terminology. You know, I've, I've kind of come up with a, with a formula, uh, which I think if you use it properly, you'll be able to identify an area of interest uh, in terms of the paranormal. If it's an area that has a a history of sacredness to indigenous uh, peoples who've lived there for hundreds, uh, perhaps thousands of years. Uh, if there's sacredness 
attributed to that spot. If there's a you know a fairly well documented history of unusual events, UFO sightings, crypto creatures, you know, and that sort of thing, paranormal type uh, phenomena. If there's unusual geophysical properties uh, that can be ascertained uh, about the area, whether it's the close proximity of uh, maximum intensity and, and minimum intensity magnetic earth magnetic field interaction uh, in close proximity, and if the government has an interest in the area, a presence in the area, and especially if they're trying to expand that presence uh, more fully into the area, you have pretty much, I think, a formula that will give you an indication that a, a particular region or lo- location, locale, uh, is a potential hotspot portal area, window area. And um, over the years, I've, I've done quite a bit of traveling around the southwestern United States, the Four Corners area, and uh, taken quite a bit of notes and, and video and, and photographs of particular areas. And I'm putting together a guidebook for people who are interested in maybe doing road trips uh, through the Four Corners area. And this will be a, a where to go, uh, you know, where to stay, you know, the best, uh, you know, approach uh, in a, you know, depending on the amount of time you have, obviously. But uh, for just your casual tourist to, uh, you know, a real hard-boiled investigator, this is going to be a guidebook for where to go in uh, in the southwest United States. This is something I've been working on for quite some time. I'm really putting it on the front burner so that I can uh, get this thing published and, and get it out there. Is this anything like the TV series from the BBC Primeval, where you might step into a portal area and find yourself in the past, the future, somewhere else? Well, we don't really know. Uh, I think it's an area where you tend to have a clustering of uh, various types of so-called paranormal phenomena. And uh, I think these areas... Uh, the Uinta Basin, for instance, around you know the Sherman Ranch, Skinwalker Ranch, if you will, would be an example of one. The Sedona area here, the San Luis Valley, um, you know, there are other areas around the Southwest that that can fit into that formulaic uh, sort of uh, scenario. And you know, it, it would be great. Uh, you know, when I was back in college and doing, you know, setting out on a 26,000-mile road trip around North America, you know, I had this really cool book called Weird America, uh, which was a county-by-county, state-by-state listing of areas where very interesting paranormal-type events had occurred. I'm taking that one step further. Classic book, if you can find it, Weird America by Jim Brandon. And then he had a follow-up book, which is probably, I think, one of the most important paranormal books ever written which is called Rebirth of Pan. Uh, the right. subtitle was Hidden Faces of the American Earth Spirit. And I think Chris has probably read that, and I'm sure that Nick oh, yeah. has. I'm not sure about Paul. No. Sounds like the trickster by another name. Well, it, it kind of is. What it basically does is examines North America from uh, as far back as you can possibly, you know, as he could possibly go when there's human habitation. And... Um, examine things like out-of-place artifacts, meaning uh, things that have been found that shouldn't be there, like uh, things with Greek inscriptions on them found underground in, 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 in rock strata that's a few thousand years old, and things like that. that things like this have, that have been found all over the United States. And then, as Chris has said, so-called portal areas, places he said that um, tend to cluster around, he said underground places, uh, places with underground um, caverns and mines and things like that. That's just barely scratching the surface of it. But uh, And he also talks about the, um, the interconnectedness, seemingly, of UFO phenomena 
Bigfoot, ghosts, the paranormal in general. And um, it's the only book he wrote really about specifically um, about the paranormal besides that guidebook. And it's it's one of those things where it, it happens often. Somebody will write one book about the paranormal, this blazing comet, and then they never touch it again. Um, Jim Brandon did that. Um, oh, who's the Will, William Bramley, Gods of Eden? I've always thought right. it was a fascinating book too. That was the one book he wrote about the UFO subject, and then didn't anymore. Keith Thompson's book, Angels and Aliens, which looks at the the uh, UFO subject as an evolving system of myth which is um, fascinating. That was the one book he wrote. It was excellent, and then he quit. <laughs> it's happened yeah, a lot. Frank Salisbury and the, the, U, the Utah UFO displays. Very, very good book. Very tough to get, but, again, it conforms exactly with that one-book wonder. Well, sometimes yeah, I, you write the one book, and it's not a bestseller, and you want to get back to a normal life. Or I mean, how many just, books? How just, many UFO books even become bestsellers? People think right. we're in this crazy field to make money. I don't think you get into the UFO field to make money. And if you do get no. in the UFO field to make money, you'll be out of it very quickly. <laughs> I know there's some who try, and I think one of the things we've done on the PowerCast over the years is expose a few people. I won't mention their names. They do not deserve the publicity. Oh, oh, oh mention them. <laughs> well, you know, you mentioned Sean David Morton, who has had oh, SEC yeah. problems. We've had Bill Nell, who sold books and DVDs that he had no authority to sell. People I didn't imagine. think it was that. I didn't really care until I found out he was selling a DVD with my lecture on it. Something, I, well, not me, something I had produced in the 1980s. Like in 1988, he was selling as, as his own, and I wasn't getting any money off it. So, yeah, there's a lot of people that do this, and I guess you can make money off the UFO subject if you're unscrupulous enough. Well, I guess if you don't put any time or effort into it, to making the content, you just go ahead and you use Handbrake or one of these programs that copies a DVD and you make unauthorized copies, if you do that, well, there's no problem then because you're not really doing any work. It takes an hour or two, and you just put it out into the wild. So you can see, folks, that some people in this field do things hoping to make money. I think in the end they don't make money anyway, even if they try to. We have Chris O'Brien, Paul Kimball, Nick Redfern, Greg Bishop. You're in the PowerCast. secret UFO agenda? Do strange creatures from the darkest corners of the mind roam the earth? Is there evidence for mind control, time travel, or devious government conspiracies? Find out the inside scoop on the latest conspiracies, paranormal activity, and Freudian phenomena when you subscribe to Tim Beckley's Conspiracy Journal. It's jam-packed with stories, special book and DVD promotions, and the best news, it's absolutely free, sent right to your mailbox. Plus, a bonus free email newsletter sent out every Friday. Simply send an email with your name and address to MrUFO at WebTV.net. That's MrUFO at WebTV.net. Find out what they don't want you to know.
Question, what would you rather drink? Acidic water, which burns holes in your body and causes loss of bone mass? Or alkaline water, which promotes high energy and vibrant health? <laughs> the answer is clear. And if you're drinking acidic water, you're helping cancer cells and bacteria to grow out of control. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops combine a unique formula of the most alkaline minerals. Using Plasma pH Drops is the best way to alkalize your water and help you get rid of acid and regain your health and energy. Simply put 10 drops in the water you drink to raise the pH to a healthy alkaline level. Most experts agree that the water you drink should be at a pH level of 8 or higher. Disease organisms like bacteria, viruses, or cancer cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops now by going directly to AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or by calling 269-409-1776. Again, 269-409-1776. Global meltdowns, massive unemployment, endless wars, a new currency crisis, financially and morally bankrupt, a great and terrible storm is approaching. So what's the best way to get ready? To get prepared for hard times ahead. Introducing Off the Grid News, a weekly newsletter for independent patriots who want practical advice on how to survive and prosper in an increasingly dangerous world. It's the best way to get a black belt in emergency preparedness, survival skills, and off-the-grid living. Off the Grid News is fiercely independent, all about self-reliance, and packed with helpful information on survival gardening, food preparation, alternative energy, herbal medicines, privacy and security, as well as God, gold, and guns, with absolutely no apologies. And the best part? This $100 a year service is now free of charge for our listeners. That's right, free for our listeners who sign up at offthegridnews.com. That's offthegridnews.com. You can sign up for free at offthegridnews.com. Offthegridnews.com. Now you can purify the water and filter the air in your entire house for less. Keep listening for discount information from airandaqua.com. Airandaqua.com has everything from whole house air and water purification systems to air conditioners, shower filters, water testing kits, atmospheric water generators, and much more to keep you and your family healthy. Now airandaqua.com has developed two value-packed money-saving packages. Package one, the pure whole home water package. It includes three very important elements to purify the water in your whole house. Package 2, the whole home air package with an ultraviolet light system that kills 99.9% of airborne bacteria and viruses. Get more details on both of these air and water filter packages at airandaqua.com or call 866-380-AQUA. That's 866-380-2782. GCN listeners use promo code GCN for an 8% discount. Go to airandaqua.com. That's airandaqua.com. Purify your life today. How do you spell hard-hitting talk radio? G-C-N. The Genesis Communications Radio Network. You've entered another dimension. You've entered the Paracast. Co-host roundtable covering the paranormal with Greg Bishop, Nick Redfern, Paul Kimball, Chris O'Brien. We were talking about exposing the fakers. What do you guys think of, I'll mention one movement that's kind of weird, that I consider fake, misguided, whatever. 
Exopolitics. Who wants to say something? <laughs> Go ahead. Let it lose. Go ahead, guys. Craig? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll let Paul go first because I know he's going to do the best one, and then we're going to follow and put, try and ice that cake, but I'm not sure if we can. Go, Paul. Yeah, I'll add some sprinkles. Look, here's my comment on exopolitics. I'm going to sum it up in a nutshell. I'm going to say right now exactly what it's worth, the commentary that, that we should be putting towards it. Here it comes. Starts with a beep. 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 There you go. Between those two beeps, that's what I have to say about exopolitics. Okay, the end of exopolitics, and we don't need the sprinkles, we don't need the syrups, we don't need the whipped cream. What about disclosure? There are some people there actively saying, hey, we've got to do something to force the government to tell what it knows. This goes back to Major Donald Keogh in the 1950s. In 1956, he wrote a book called The Flying Saucer Conspiracy. There was a silence group in the government keeping... UFO information is secret. So, Nick Redfern, you've covered secrecies and conspiracies and such. What do you think about that? Well, you know, I mean, I think there is a, a certain amount of information on UFOs held by, when you say the government, you know, sort of a quasi-collective term for somebody hiding something. I do think there is evidence that we, we haven't got to see everything that certain people in official do know. Now, the big question is whether or not they're planning one day to disclose it. And, of course, you know, disclosure, we hear these things year in, year out. Disclosure's coming this year. Oh, the election means it's going to be put off till next year, etc., etc. One of the things I found with people who are particularly new but enthusiastic about the disclosure movement is that they're woefully ignorant of some of the things that have gone on in the past, which I know Greg will particularly be aware of, where there have been rumours and allegations that government agencies are supposedly going to reveal the truth. Now, this happened supposedly with the Walt Disney Corporation in the 50s that they were going to be shown or given film footage to show the general public. Then there were stories in the late 70s and early 80s about Air Force intelligence supposedly planning to release certain information to elements of the UFO community to again prepare people. The same sort of things happened in the 90s. Really, there's, there's actually enough information there for somebody to write a very good paper on how the whole disclosure movement has had its precursors with these attempts or quasi-attempts, if you like, on the part of the government to, quote, release information, which conveniently never happens. So I think when you look at it at the bigger picture, then you see a pattern emerging where, to an extent, the UFO community, the research community, has been almost like dangling on a string, so to speak. Um, a lot of people new to disclosure assume that this is just a new thing with the government planning to reveal information, but you know, I'm quietly confident that in the same way it's never happened in the past, it's not going to happen now. If there is a big secret to, that's being withheld, I think it'll either surface by accident that documents get released by mistake and it opens the floodgates, or there's a, there'll be a change in the, in the approach from whoever or whatever is flying the UFOs. I don't think anybody in, a vest, in government has a vested interest in revealing the truth, because if there is a big truth to be revealed, revealing it when there's actually no need to, without the aliens landing or whatever, only causes them more trouble. So it's just a, a completely illogical approach to suddenly open the floodgates and tell everybody 
okay, we've been lying the last 60 years. It, it serves no purpose. Yes, yeah, so but do you really think the government's going to ever admit it lie to people? I mean, the government's perfect, no. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think that would, that would only happen, I think, if, you know, I mean, people talk about the whole fear factor. You know, could it be a case that, you know, perhaps down, further down the line there are people in government who feel that controlling the populace via a manufactured threat that might convince them to do something like that. But just doing it for the sake of it, because they want to, it's finally time to tell the public. To me, that's crazy. You know, governments don't do that. They don't prepare and tell the public because they feel, you know, their conscience has got the better of them, and it's time to let us know. That's just absurd. Governments act in other interests. There has to be a compelling reason for that. And there's a... I've talked about this on your show and with with all the guests here. My opinion of it is that I don't think the government entities in any government in the world knows much more about this, the uh, phenomenon than we do. They, if they do know more about it, they just have more data. They don't know why. They don't know where the things come from. They don't know how to um, control it. They don't know how to control people's um, how that interacts with people, but they do know how to control the perception of it, and that's what they can do. I think until there's some compelling reason to reveal part of what is known, that's just not going to happen. And, it, and there's not much to reveal in the first place. And if you do reveal, as Nick said, that you don't really know what's going on or how to control it, um, that's admitting that, sh that that's an admission of, of uh, weakness. And no government anywhere wants to show that they're weak. Now, what kind of government attitude do you see in Canada, Paul? What, paranormal UFOs? The government hasn't officially looked into the UFO phenomenon since uh, really the late 1960s, but effectively, you know, sort of the early to mid-1970s. It was eventually transferred a number of different departments from the RCMP to the Canadian, the Royal Canadian Air Force to um, the Department of Transport, various government departments for various reasons looked into UFO cases and different aspects of them. But eventually it was all transferred out uh, after the Condon report came down in the late 1960s to the National Research Council, and then eventually they transferred it out to civilian hands. And it's basically run by a guy, as I understand it, named Chris Rutkowski, a very good researcher out in Winnipeg, Manitoba. And if reports come in, they they seem to tend to go to him. He authors a um, co-authors a, a yearly report up here in Canada on, on UFO sightings based on on the reports that he accumulates. But that's the official stance. In the 50s and 60s, members of Parliament would ask questions. Uh, I don't know if anyone's ever checked. The, um, the congressional records to see whether people would, members of Congress, Senate, or the House of Representatives, were asking questions in the 50s and 60s about UFOs. But I know somebody in Canada has, because I was the guy who did that. I went through all of answered for about 45 or 50 years, starting in the late 1940s. And you can see that there were a couple of jokey questions, but by and large, when the topic came up, it was taken seriously. And then it all stopped in the late 1960s. Politicians, there hasn't been a single question since the late 1960s asked in the Canadian House of Commons about the UFO phenomenon, except for one. And it was asked about a, um, a grant that was given to a researcher to put together a history of the UFO phenomenon. He got $6,000, and a member of the opposition asked the government, well, what are you giving this guy $6,000 for? We have the Condon Report, which basically gives you everything you need to know. So that's a waste of money. That's it. And so it just dried up in the late 1960s, early 1970s, but I think that's true pretty much 
everywhere in terms of official interest, partly because I don't think there was anything. I think they, I honestly think they figured out there wasn't much more they could do. I come from the school of thought that says the government really doesn't know very much more about what these things might be or might not be than we do. If anything, they don't know much more. So there's not a whole lot they can do. I think when they say things like Nick Pope, our friend Nick Pope is always saying, you know, the government found that there was no defense significance. Well, in a sense, I think they're probably right. You know, there's no defense significance because whatever it is, we can't do anything about it. So there's there's really nothing to defend because we have nothing to defend with. You know, I think that's that's sort of the attitude that's taken up here. I've talked to politicians. I've talked to cabinet members, federal cabinet members in Canada, about the UFO phenomenon off the record at parties. And, you know, they they expressed uh, one guy I talked, I wrote about it, Jeff Regan, who's our minister of fisheries, which sounds odd. but You know what, let's have a cliffhanger. That sounds odd. This is a cliffhanger. Paul Kimball, Christopher O'Brien, Nick Redfern, Greg Bishop, you're in the Paracast. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! of the Rockwell. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. It's the number one reason for slow and clogged bath drains. That's right, hair. And the number one way to open drains plugged with hair? The drain cloth. Stop standing in dirty bath water. Stop using dangerous chemicals. Just push the drain claw past the pop-up in your sink or tub, twist, and pull. You'll be shocked at what this little tool can pull out of your drain. The drain claw has over 100 tiny hooks that claw through hair, toothpaste, and shampoo that slows and clogs your drains. See how it works right now at thedrainclaw.com. The drain claw is made in the USA and is the safest, easiest, most environmentally friendly solution to unclog bath drains. Get one for $6.99 or three for $15. The drain claw can be used over and over. Don't be fooled by substitutes. Buy the original. Buy the drain claw. Order now at thedrainclaw.com. That's the drain claw at thedrainclaw.com. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Don't forget... 
CrossbreedHolsters.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Where have all the military surplus stores gone? Don't worry, you don't need one. Because everything you need at Military Surplus is at MainMilitary.com. That's M-A-I-N-E, Military.com, one of the last surviving true military surplus stores in the country. Go online now to MainMilitary.com and discover a source for hard-to-find surplus items at true surplus prices. Surplus gun cleaning kits as low as $2.99. Complete chemical suits as low as $11.99. See our huge selection of gas masks, filters, and accessories. Finish at M10 Gas Masks are 3 for $30. And Swiss filters are 3 for $12. Searching for Strike Anywhere matches? MainMilitary.com has them. Plus a whole new product line of survival and first aid kits and lots more. Get free shipping on orders over $50 only at MainMilitary.com. That's M-A-I-N-E Military.com or call 877-608-0179 877-608-0179 MainMilitary.com The main name in military supply. Tired of searching for great talk radio? Search no more. I just want to hear more of it. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're in the PowerCast with Chris O'Brien, Nick Redfern, Greg Bishop. And before we paused briefly, Paul Kimball had a cliffhanger, please. Well, I was just saying that I've talked to politicians. I've, you know, I've talked to scientists. I've talked to all sorts of people, lawyers, doctors, about the UFO phenomenon. The idea that it's, and the paranormal in general, I should add, everything from ghosts to near-death experiences, you name it, I've talked about it. And the idea that it is frowned upon or laughed at by intelligent thinking people is patently ridiculous. I think those intelligent thinking people don't particularly want to stand up in front of a crowd and admit that they're interested in it, but they are. And I tell you this quick little story. I was at a gathering of members of my extended family, one of whom was a retired lawyer, one of whom was a retired uh, top test pilot for a major American aerospace company, and another one was a retired senior civil servant for Canadian government. So, you know, these are guys with university degrees who've accomplished an awful lot in their lives, very intelligent people. I won't name them, <laughs> but let's just say that's who they are. And we started talking about UFOs because Stan Friedman is part of my family, and he his name came up. And I asked them, I said, well, you know, what do you think of UFOs? And they all said, well, you know, it's very interesting. We certainly wouldn't rule aliens from Zeta Reticuli out or anything else. And then I asked them because I thought, okay, well, let's find out what they think is really weird. Let's see where the line is. And I said, well, what do you think about the idea of ancient astronauts, the Eric Von Donneken kind of stuff, the aliens were visiting here and maybe structured our civilization thousands of years ago? And they went, yeah, could be. You know, that, that sort of makes sense. And I said, Okay, I thought that was going to be the line, but I'll try this one. I said, what do you think about the idea that there was an ancient civilization on this planet? Call it Atlantis, for lack of a better word, that maybe was destroyed 10, 20, who knows how many thousands of years ago. And they went, well, yeah, actually, we, that's probably more likely than UFOs. 
<laughs> and I said, well, apparently there is no baseline. There's, there's nothing I can go by here. But those are the kind of conversations that happen all the time. It's like being in a bar and looking at a girl, or if you're a girl and looking at a guy, and you're thinking, oh, my God, is she looking at me? Meanwhile, she's over there thinking, oh, my God, is he looking at me? Because he's cute, and you're thinking she's cute. And the truth is you're both interested in each other, but you're kind of afraid, both of you are afraid to talk about it. And I think that's what the paranormal is sometimes. You know, the guy is interested in the girl, the girl is interested in the guy, but they just aren't sure whether they should say anything. And it's okay to come out of the closet or from behind the laughter curtain, folks. There's more of us talking about it with, you know, intelligent people talking about it intelligently than there are not. In fact, if you're not talking about it, then you have something to be embarrassed about, as far as I'm concerned, because it just means you're not thinking. Chris? You know, very good analogy, Paul. I, I absolutely agree with you there. Uh, in terms of the question of disclosure and the whole exopolitics movement that we're seeing, you know, I've always felt that the government has been able to accumulate quite a bit more data than we have. I mean, just think of how many thousands of examples of, let's say, gun camera footage of of objects being uh, chased by fighter planes and, and that sort of thing. I think the government has had quite a bit of time to, to accumulate a lot of data. And I think the amount of data that they've accumulated that is beyond you know, public awareness is about equal to the amount of confusion that they have about the phenomenon as it relates to our level of confusion. So they know a heck of a lot more in terms of the actual hard scientific data, and that means that they're that much more confused. I think that this is not a subject that they want to ever disclose. I think Brazil, England, um, France, these other countries uh, coming forward with arguably uh, some sort of disclosure process is taking the heat off the United States, who I think is really the holder of probably the most important of this data. And I don't think it's our government that's holding this data. I, as I said before, I, I really have a sense that the military-industrial complex, the aerospace companies, your, your contractors who are involved with, with uh, heavy-duty, multi-billion-dollar budgets for black projects, I think they're the ones that are probably the ones holding on to the, you know, the deepest, darkest secrets in this realm. So basically so, the corporations that contribute those millions of dollars to the candidates to get them elected, they not only control the purse strings, they control what's going on here. Yeah. It's been farmed out. I, you know, the military may have uh, a bit of a leg up on your, you know, your, your standard bureaucrat. Um, your elected officials, I think, would be the last people who really brought into the loop. They have no need to know. Uh, I think presidents have been kept out of the loop. To me, I think it's a pipe dream. If anybody thinks that the government, who's been lying to us uh, arguably for 60 years, even if they did fess up and tell us the truth, how could you believe them? They've been lying for 60 years. So to me, to me, it's a pipe dream. And, and anybody that wastes any time in that particular realm, I think you need to, you know, instead of trying to batter down the front door, you need to be uh, coming up through the basement, through the windows, through the side door, through the back door uh, to gain information. That's why the FOIA, Freedom of Information Act, uh, in its limited way, I think has been the, the, the real, I think a really important tool that ufologists uh, have, uh, you know, utilized. And, and we got to con continue just, you know, taking it one baby step at a time to try to figure out the extent of, of, of their knowledge. Greg. Well, I think what Chris said about the corporations, you, you, you would think that somebody listening would think, well, he's a conspiracy, you know, theorist, and he just thinks that the, co the uh, these corporations have all the power. 
And I don't think that's the reason for it. I don't know. It might be part of the reason. But I think the main reason for it is because the, the corporations under U.S. LARC still considered private citizens, and they don't have to disclose anything. They're not subject to um, FOIA, Freedom of Information Act, because they're, they're not the government. So that's why I think I agree with Chris that a lot of these, all of the good data has probably been squirreled away there. And that's why I also think, like Chris said, that the answers are not going to come from the government. They're going to come from us and from forward-thinking um, scientists and people who, are, who, who use their brains and logic to try and figure this out. And, so, and I think the breakthrough will probably come from somebody who's not even interested in UFOs at all, some physicist or some sociologist or some uh, mathematician or something that realizes that there's a whole tangential way of thinking about um, reality that we haven't given them enough credence to yet or had enough evidence for that satisfies most people. I think, I think that's what's going to happen. If anything's going to change, like Chris says, it's going to come from outside the government. It's going to come from people looking at the subject in a different way and in a concerted way and maybe in a, what's the word, a, a way that's perpendicular to what most of us have been um, pursuing for the past 50-something years. Greg, we're almost at the end of this first relaunch of the PowerCast. We only have a couple of minutes left. Tell our listeners where they can find more of the things that you do. Well, uh, probably the main place now is Radio Mysterioso, which is my radio show, paranormal radio show. Everybody on this show, with the exception of Eugene, has been a guest on that program. And he never asked me. How about that, ladies and gentlemen? I'm asking you now, Gene. You have to come on the show. Or UFOMystic.com. Call my agent. Where is that site? I will. RadioMysterioso.com, R-A-D-I-O-M-I-S-T-E-R-I-O-S-O.com, or UFOMystic.com, Nick and I write at that site, or ExcludedMiddle.com, which is a magazine that I um, co-edited and wrote for in the uh, 1990s, um, which formed, which shows a lot of my early development and a lot of influences on my thinking, basically, by the um, people I interviewed. Nick Redfern, we know about ufomystic.com. Where else can we find more about your stuff? Uh, my main uh, website is nickredfern.com, and I do a lot of blogging on various subjects, whether cryptozoology, UFOs, etc., etc., and all the blogs are linked to the main website, and I try and update those at least a couple of times a week. So for all the news, reviews, interviews, things like that, people click on the blog section of the website, they'll find um, all the stuff that I'm investigating right now. Chris O'Brien, where do we find you? <laughs> um, we live in a strange planet, so I've come up with a website called OurStrangePlanet.com, O-U-R, Strange Planet. Again, I post interesting news stories uh, that crop up uh, every week, and uh, also, you can find out more about uh, my books and uh, other projects that I'm working on there. Paul Kimball, where can we find you other than the local pub? Well, I was going to say the local strip club, but you can find me at Orby McOrby's Orb Emporium CA, <laughs> which I have, if you've heard the clicking sound, folks, I've been working on registering that as the episode has been going along. So uh, coming soon to... Uh, to an internet site near you or redstarfilms.blogspot.com or google my name and the good stuff will come up and to find out more about the Paracast go to thepowercast.com don't forget the thepowercast.com the forums at forum.thepowercast.com we've got lots of wild stuff coming in future episodes of the Paracast Chris O'Brien Paul Kimball Nick Redfern Greg Bishop thank you all for joining us on the Paracast 
Thank you. Thanks, Gene. Looking forward to it. We're going to have some great times, lots of good guests. The Paracast is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Tune in next week for a new adventure in The Paracast.